Raspadori, good run. Clever cutback as well, Ossiman. Still Ossiman, great desire. Kvaratsenia! Hello and welcome back to Serie A Spotlight. This is episode 104. We're your host Jake and Matt here to describe all the events of match day 16 in Serie A. As you guys heard from our intro, our goal of the week was Kvaratskhelia's easy finish, to be honest, which went in off the post. But we chose this because of the fantastic work of Victor Ozimen, who juggled the ball in the box seven times. And before dragging the ball between the legs of the defender and squaring the ball to Gvara, who had an empty net to finish, Osimhen made that goal. He became a Brazilian on the beach, bro. Exactly. That's it. Um, he Gvara almost missed it. It has to be said. He was it, lucky um, that it hit the right side of the of the post. And you could see in. him like staring yeah. at it with sheer anxiety. <laughs> he like. froze up. A close second was Luis Muriel's goal, which was a beautifully struck strike. Um, it looks. It doesn't look that hard to score that goal, but the mm. technique on that shot was brilliant to keep yeah. it low, to keep it to keep it rising, you know, just rising upwards yeah. into the top corner. Yeah, the technique with which he hit that with the outside of his foot from outside the box, it was the best way to describe this is, you know, when you hit a corner and someone clears it and it falls to a madman outside the box. Yeah. That madman was Muriel, except he's a madman with a bunch of technique. Exactly. He didn't lean back, you know, people often lean back. Yeah. Another close uh, contender, in my opinion, was uh, Goodmanson's goal for Genoa while they were all playing um, keep-ups, you know. Yeah, <laughs> Ekuban's assist exactly. was perfect. Um, is everyone juggling the ball past of Juve defenders? Of course, there was Reinders with like his trademark run down the middle. He, he exactly. channels some sort of inner caca that he has in him when he when he makes those kind of runs. Um, not much De Gregorio could have done from close range. And then, and how I wish Sanabria's goal wasn't offside because that, that goal been, that would have been the week. goal of the week. Sure. Ravoshata um, into the top corner like that. Wow. Absolutely sensational it was, bro. Yeah. Um, but it's a shame. Yeah, he was in an offside position, right? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that's I believe uh, in, in there was an offside in the build-up. I don't think it was him directly. Yeah. Remember, guys, to follow us on Instagram, TikTok, Twitter, YouTube um, to stay up to date with our latest things. We've got a few cool things in the mix, guys. Stay tuned. Um, and it does really help if you rate us five stars wherever you're listening and to subscribe to our YouTube because... Um, we're a bit late on the YouTube bandwagon, so yeah. it would help if you guys could just go there and pop a, a follow, you know, that would be pretty cool. Help us out a bit. Help yeah, us why out. not? We've also got Patreon, as you all know. Um, shout out to our Patreons. We've got a new one. His name, Sluge McNoodle. Thank you very much, Sluge McNoodle, for your support. I'm happy to have you to the family. Sluge has joined Jose, <laughs> Lena, Andy, Alan, um, Ed... Luke, Mike, Matteo, Matthias, um, Luca, Anthony, Michael, David, Kyle, and Andrew. You are all legends. We love you all. Yes, one day, hopefully, the list will be long enough whereby um, the intro segment needs five minutes by <laughs> yeah. itself just to, just to shout everyone out because we won't stop doing that. Yeah, which reminds me, um, we have opened up a shop Woo! on Patreon. Uh, the link is in our bio and we are actually selling our posters that we we're selling posters basically on the the art that we use on the covers of the episodes right exactly. I, I draw those up and we're we're selling them as um, digital art so you can basically download them and print them and fun fact for our patrons they're all free exactly all of them. you have so, access to all of them so that's they're not just three, money for us you yeah, know just three euro <laughs> each i believe it's the minimum price i put them up for 
um, and the Patreon subscription is three ninety nine a month. So you can technically subscribe for a month, download them all, and unsubscribe. And that's, <laughs> that's a bit of a loophole over there. Help yourselves, guys. No problem. No problem. There so, were the um, Champions League, Europa League, and Conference League draws. Mm-hmm. Um, not looking so good for certain Italian teams. Yeah. I think particularly in the Champions League. Um, couple tough draws. So, firstly, Fiorentina, just to get the Conference League out of the way, Fiorentina are through to the round of 16. They're not taking part in the round of 32 um, because they topped their group. Um, so, no need to cover anything over there. For the Champions League, it is Inter facing Atletico. It's Lazio facing Bayern. And Napoli facing Barcelona. Very cool and interesting stylistic battles, particularly the Inter versus Atletico, an offensive Inter side taking on a very pragmatic Atletico, who are a really tough team to break down with Diego Simeone's system. You've got Lazio, Bayern. I don't think Lazio have got much of a chance over there, considering Bayern's form and what Harry Kane's been doing there. And Napoli, Barca, I mean... Maybe if this were Napoli last season, it would be more interesting because I would say it's free-flowing football all around. Uh, yeah. But I think Barca have got a bit of an advantage over there this year. At least. Yeah, Harry Kane's on 20 goals and five assists so far this season. Um, and he's going to be playing Gila and Patrick, you know, um, <laughs> very soon in the Champions League. We'll see how many he can put past them over there. But I like the fact that Lazio are playing as the underdogs and that will definitely help them because they do have a few fighters in that team, you know. And you never know, man, Sarri on a European night, he can cook. And in the Champions League, absolutely anything can happen. So, of course, terrible matchup for Lazio. They would have been hoping for quite literally anyone else. <laughs> um, we'll see how they do over there. Also, Napoli and Barcelona, a nice touch with the you know whole Maradona backstory, yeah. of course. Yeah, of course. Um, when it comes to the Europa League, Atalanta have automatically gone through the round of 16 as they top their group. Um Roma are taking on Feyenoord, which are not an easy side, um, n- not at all. And Milan are taking on Rennes, who are also not not an easy draw. But I do think that both Italian teams in these scenarios are favourites. However, when it comes to the Europa League, I'm always so wary of these teams because it's not every day that you face high-quality teams that deem themselves underdogs coming into the European stage and how important this European stage is to them. Absolutely, and you look at Rennes, for example, um, or Rennes, as some people would prefer for them to be called. Um, in France, they're having a bit of a dreadful season. Um, they're not doing very well at all domestically. Um, in fact, in 16 games, they've conceded 21 and only scored 20. And I'm not quite sure where they sit. I don't have that um, prepared. But in their Europa League group, they did finish second, just one point behind Villarreal, with okay. four wins and two losses. So they do have a bit of firepower um, about them and they are definitely motivated to do well in Europe. Yeah. Um, yeah, when it comes to Feyenoord, we know, of course, that they're a factory of talent and right now they've got a striker called Santiago Jimenez who's doing very well. He's on 18 goals and we know a few of their players, of course, um, particularly... No, never mind Teat's with the other guys. You remember Teat? Yes, I remember Teat. Teat is Venezia. playing with Renez. He was with, he was with Bologna. He was with Bologna. Bologna. Imagine yeah. him on this Bologna team, by the way, bro. That hey, would man. Have, I really liked Arthur Teat. Oh, my God. You remember? We used to call him Theater. Theater. <laughs> Arthur Theater. <laughs> <laughs> oh, 
but yeah um it's gonna be super interesting um we need to see what we're gonna do because of recording bro because i would like to watch these games of course so we need to get recording out of the way as early as possible so we can sit down nine o'clock in front of the tv watching napoli barcelona definitely man maybe we'll use some hours of leave here and there who the fuck knows man yeah good idea good yeah idea. it's important to note that when it comes to the europa league like i said atalanta automatically went through it was literally Every single British team involved in the um, Europa League also went through the round of 16. So there's um, Rangers, who <laughs> topped their group as well, um, Brighton, West Ham and Liverpool, and also Villarreal and Atalanta that, that go through to the, to the next round. Yeah. But we're not here to fucking talk about European football. Yeah. Even though it's very important this year because um, there's going to be a fifth Champions League spot added oh. and it's between Italy... <laughs> and Germany between Serie A and the Bundesliga and depending on which team does better in Europe oh. the coefficient will essentially dictate who gets that fifth spot right now and um, because of last season's um, Europe European run for Italian teams um, you have three Italian teams reaching a final they're actually ahead of the Premier League for example and it's not wow. looking good for them because United actually crashed out yeah they came fourth yeah and um, and yeah they're not doing particularly well in Europe in general yeah. so so yeah we'll we'll see it's very important for Italian teams to do well in Europe this season guys yes. but we're not here yes as you mentioned to talk about that bro we're you here to talk about our killed, favorite league you killed my juicy segue into the rundown. Yeah. This is what we're here to discuss. Guys, first game we're going to be covering is Lazio nil Inter 2. A tough match for Inter in recent history where they lost the, the last two of these encounters. Three goals to one. Um, but now Inter basically they have creamed absolutely everyone within that top seven, including Fiorentina. They've only drawn one out of those matches, which was against Juventus. Genoa won, Juve won, Juve have now fallen four points behind Inter after a disappointing result where a Chiesa penalty was cancelled out by the great Albert Goodmanson. Milan 3, Monza nil, a new look Milan with a three at the back formation and a debut goal for 18-year-old centre-back Simic who came on to replace the injured Pobega who started this game as a centre-back. Bologna 2, Roma nil, Bologna in the top four and very, very well deserved, what a team. Freuler and Zergze, two top performers in this match. Napoli 2, Cagliari 1, a tough game for Napoli. You'll see when we get down to the rundown, there were a lot of shifts in tactics in this game. But at the end of the day, the difference maker was Victor Osimen. Fiorentina 1, Hellas Verona 0. It was a late goal for Beltran to give Fiorentina W his first goal um, in open play in Serie A. And it did take a massive deflection. Atalanta 4, Salernitana 1. This happened just last night. Salernitana took an early lead through a Pirola header, but the second half was fucking all Atalanta. Lecce 2, Frosinone 1. Lecce have ended their streak of four draws to get a well-deserved victory against Frosinone. Udinese 2, Sassuolo 2. The self-destruct button was pressed, but this time by Udinese, uh, who blew a 2-0 lead after a Pajero on goal. And Torino won, and Polinil Torino edged past their opponents despite a disallowed Sanabria screamer, which goes to show just how they are the missionary sex position in this league. And those of you who listen to our question episode will get that reference. Exactly. If you don't, you know, 
but stick around anyway because we'll have another one and you can ask us questions. Please. Shall we start off with Lazio Inter? Let's. I guess that was the biggest game of, of yeah, this probably, weekend. In, in theory. As we know, like Inter have struggled in the Olympico against Lazio. They hadn't won there since 2018 in Serie A. Yeah, but um, of a bogey team for them, yeah, right? And yeah. These last two encounters resulted in back-to-back 3-1 home wins for Lazio. There was that infamous Luis Felipe, fucking Luis, man. Classic yeah. Luis. When he, he mounted Correa in celebration in Correa's first game for Inter against Lazio. And Correa got really mad. Luis Felipe started crying so hard that he ended up representing Al Itihad in Saudi Arabia. <laughs> yeah, bro cried. I felt bad for him. It, it was bad. bad. It, it was sad yeah. to be honest because uh-huh. it always sucks when you when you think someone's gonna react a certain way and they think you have a certain relationship. And you're, with you're someone. homie, man. Yeah, yeah. They were they were good friends. Yeah, that was. Yeah. If you haven't seen that clip, do write it down. If you write down Correa, Luis Felipe cry. You will find it on. on, on yeah. Google. yeah, yeah. I wonder how you know that. <laughs> Inter drew nil nil at home to Sociedad midweek, and um, they did feel some changes over there. Um, they finished second in their group, whilst Lazio lost two nil away from home against Atletico, also finishing second in their group. As we all know, Inter. Um, but of a decimated squad at the moment. They had Alexis Sanchez out, Denzel Dumfries, Benjamin Pavard, Juan Cuadrado and Stefan Davray out injured. So their back three once again consisted of Bissek, Acerbi and Bastoni with Darmian as the right wing back as well. To be fair, not too decimated. It is some fringe players, but some starters as well mm-hmm. that are out, out injured. The biggest shock in Lazio's starting eleven was the fact that Luis Alberto started the game on the bench. Pardon me. After Sarri confirmed the Spaniard wasn't at 100% fitness and would be more effective off the bench in the second half when the game will be less intense. Mm, when the game will be already over. Why Why? Why is the second half less intense? He thought that half Probably the league by then or something? He means like when everyone's a bit more leggy, you know, when everyone's ah. uh, more tired. Look, man, Cagliari's best player is Zito Lovumbo, right? Zito Lovumbo, piacere. Piacere, Lovumbo, Zito. Um... He never gives him more than 30 minutes. Ranieri always brings him on for 30 minutes, the last 30 minutes of the game, and he drives everyone insane running. When everyone's tired from a whole game of, of running up and down and focusing, you know, Zito comes on and just causes confusion. Sometimes these impact subs are necessary, man. That's true. That's true. He is also, like, what, miles ahead. He, he's Lazio's best player by for, a landslide. Sure, sure. um, they also had uh, Kamada, Rovella and Guendouzi forming their midfield three. Instead of Luis Alberto. Mm. Now, Lazio started the game strongly. They brought intensity to the game and mm. they even forced Sommer into a couple of good saves, particularly on Kamada and Guendouzi in the opening moments of the match. However, Inter broke the deadlock uh, in the 40th minute when Lautaro Martinez seized an awful back pass by Lazio's Adam Marusic. The weak back pass was intercepted by Martinez, who dribbled around Ivan Provadel and slotted the ball into the net from a tight angle. Martinez dedicated this goal uh, to Bahia Blanca, a town in Argentina affected by a recent tragedy. I do believe that that is where he is from. Um, but yeah, a nice touch, class class act. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I must say, man, that... Um, Adam these... Marusic is an idiot. N- not even. <laughs> um, these, these games, man, are all about details. Yes. Right? And just for them, for Lazio, it's, we've seen it all season, right? When they want to switch play, they often go back to their keeper, pass back, and the goalkeeper will play it to the other fullback, right? Yeah. 
Lautaro was in an offside position in no man's land between the defense and the goalkeeper, just waiting, lurking. Yes. Like that was all pre planned, you know? Yes, and, and that... the other players, if you look at the right hand side, they were putting pressure on Marsic, pressing super high up the field to the point where Marsic has nowhere else yeah. to go, and Lautaro is in position waiting for that man. Absolutely, man. And and he literally forced that mistake and he did so well with it. When when he rounded the goalkeeper, I was I, I thought he held on to it for a bit too long. I was like, oh they're gonna block it, they're gonna take it off mm-hmm, him. But mm-hmm. take it off from my ass, dude. He no, just dinked no, no. it in. Like no, if it were two seasons ago and, and sometimes you know how streaky he could have been. But but not this season, man. No, not this season. Super. He can't put a he's foot super. wrong. And even if you look at his heat map, thank you so for score. He's so involved in the in the in the midfield. You, you look at Turam, he's the guy up top because obviously you could give him those long balls. Lautaro's doing so much dirty work, bro. Absolutely. So much dirty work. And then he's still there in the final third, often running in late, getting in at the back post, stuff like that. He's Mr. Inter at the moment, man. Absolutely. Captain Fantastic. Lazio entered the second half eager to equalize. Rovella had well, he did exceptionally well to dispossess Chalanoglu. And Dribble Acerbi and Bastoni hit it so well uh, in this scenario of Ella. But once clean through on goal, the Italian was denied by Jan Sommer. It's always like the case when, let's let's call them inexperienced players or young players. They, they do well and then they get clean through on goal and they're either like off balance or, or they're tired or they have yeah. they lack technique in the final third. Like Rovella's not a goal scorer, you know. Or they, um, or they doubt themselves for exactly, that second, Exactly, you know? yeah. But he did, Lazio were doing a good job pressing the source, which is Chalanoglu. And this was case in point exactly what they did well in this game because Lazio, they, mm-hmm. they, they weren't bad in this mm-hmm. game. And that was just to showcase how they were um, stopping Inter for, let's say, the a fair a fair share of the game. But then, obviously, that final product isn't isn't there for them. And then, in fact, Inter doubled their lead in the 58th minute. Although Marusic intercepted a, um, a Barella initial through ball for Martinez, the ball came back to Barella, who redirected it to Marcus Turam. And the French forward finished with a precise left-footed shot with Gila scrambling on the goal line. <laughs> Lazio got pissed off. Uh, frustration boiled over when Manuel Lazzari received a straight red card for insulting the referee, further complicating their chances. And then Mikitarian had two opportunities to make it three, but they were both denied by great stops by Ivan Provedel. He still drives so well, Mikitarian. He's like a young yes. man charging yes. forward. Yeah. His, his burst of his change in, in pace and his ability to unlock that extra gear always catches me off guard. Uh-huh. He's, he's, he's silky smooth in that midfield. Yeah. He... he is the right player for that role I feel he is very very refined mm. um, I don't think like bros brought in Fratesi now I know Fratesi is more of a direct let's say Barella replacement more than anything mm. um, but he could that's not easily he but either, he could he could do yeah. either especially with he, he can find he, he can score goals Fratesi mm-hmm. we've seen that for Italy as well but Mkhitaryan is the right guy for that role. His technique in this team in the middle of the park is very, very important. Absolutely, man. Absolutely. Another player I was very impressed by, um, and this was really the one of the first tests for him, um, Jan Bissek, man. Yes, absolutely. Jan Bissek, 23 years old, German international, 194 centimeters tall, centre-back, right-footed. Um, he's a number 31 for those of you who um, remember the numbers and not the names. <laughs> he um, 
He can play football, man. He's yes, very man. technically gifted. Like he was out wide on the wing towards the end of the game when they were trying to to just kill the game. And he's a he's a retention machine essentially. This is only this is only his his second start of yeah. the season. He had the third he had the third most touches for Inter and a ninety three percent pass accuracy as well. He had six duels, one three clearances. And like you said, he was getting wide very, very effectively. It's like yeah. he knows the system already. And they were pressing him to oblivion, almost like forcing... It's like he was identified as a weak point. They were pressing him and he's so press-resistant, man. Just passing his way out casually or like pulling the ball back and just passing back calmly, you know. Very, very talented player over there. I was impressed. Absolutely, man. Absolutely. Um, and speaking of press-resistant, by the way, another point I wanted to make was on Chalanoglu. So when we talk about the three, the top three registers in the league, right? We mm. talk about Stanislav Lobotka, we talk about Ismail Benasser and Hakan Chalanoglu, right? Yes. Um, Chalanoglu is different to those two. Chalanoglu isn't as press-resistant. Chalanoglu agree. can be dispossessed and he can be forced to play a wayward pass. Um, what he does, though, however, is make up for it in his defensive contribution. Mm-hmm. So Chalanoglu and then likes to get um, down and dirty when it comes to a counter. Yeah, he even... For example, he'll slide in, he'll tackle, he can tackle like a defender. Yeah, he even had that for Milan when he used to play as an attacking midfielder yeah. and even as a left winger under Gattuso. A lot of people used to, for some reason, complain about his lack of industry, but he was yeah. always so hard working. Of course. Um, which is one thing I actually liked about the guy. Um, Inter now have 11, 11 clean sheets in 16 matches Despite significant injury struggles in their defensive region 11 clean sheets in 16 matches, man 11 clean sheets in 16 matches, man That's that's honestly crazy, to be honest um, I don't know, man when, when I saw this game, it was like another win for them, you know mm-hmm. Like, like what's it going to take for these guys to drop points? They're, they're essentially mirroring Lazio's start to the season so like i said earlier they've played all the top seven teams i say all the top seven teams they are part of the top seven teams but they also played fiorentina right so mm. they played the other top set the top seven excluding inter <laughs> brother they beat all of them except for juve who they drew to yeah they beat all of them yeah including four now- nil against fiorentina five one against milan they killed napoli three nil bro they they're they're probably going to reach uh, 50 points by the 6th of January, I believe, which is the same points Napoli had last year. So if we're talking about dominance, Inter are on course. So so yes, yes, totally agreed. Um, however, however, it very much depends on what they're going to do in January because mm. um, it is clear that Inter have been prioritizing the league totally like they've totally prioritized the league resting players in the champions league like like fielding um sanchez arnautovic fratesi you know all, all the guys yeah. who've barely been playing aslan he's throwing them in in the champions league games and because of that they actually didn't top their group when they probably mm. should have and they finished second and now they're, they're stuck with this terrible draw right not totally terrible but they have atletico madrid who they do not afford to rest players against mm. so they need reinforcements in January, or now we can start to see perhaps a slight dip in their league form because they need to play the lower tier sides. And as we know, the lower tier sides in Serie A can be very frustrating, you know. Absolutely. The likes of Frosinone, Lecce, Genoa, Sassuolo, Sassuolo are the only team 
in 15th place, lowly Sassuolo are the only team who have beaten Inter so far this season. Cagliari, exactly, you never know. Like, it's the 90th minute, what's going to happen? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, so, so Inter can still obviously lose points. However, they have Marotta as their sporting director. And the January transfer market is approaching, and I totally see them bringing in a striker and a defender. Remember the question segment? By the way, we were we discussed Inter potentially, like we, we recommended Bulaedia mm. and yeah. Ngonj. Yeah. Um, apparently, they've been linked to Bulaedia for a January move. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah, yeah. No, so, I, I wonder what Bulaedia would think about spotlight. that. He is yeah. out. Like, he's, yeah, he's out, out of that Salernitana team. Totally. He'd take apparently, that um, Lazzari has been linked. With a move to Inter. Lazzari's been fantastic this season. He has opinion. been. He has been. Obviously, buying this red card. I mean, he, apparently he told... The commentator said he that Lazzari told the referee where to go. <laughs> so I'm sure he told him to... You know, go, go and fuck himself. Either go fuck yeah. himself or to fuck off or... Yeah. Go do something. <laughs> <laughs> Let's leave it up to the imagination. Of yeah. course, um, the Italian language is a lot more colorful than the English language when it comes to cooking up and mm-hmm. such. I just have a few more points I want to make because Please. Inter, very good, is, is getting exhausting <laughs> as, as a conversation. Inter, good, Inter, good. Inter, good. Inter, good. Inter, good. Inter, good. Inter, have a new deadly duo up front, right? Lautaro is on 15 goals in 16 matches. Turam. Seven goals and six assists in his debut season. Now, do you know when Thuram has scored? He scored against Fiorentina. Mm. He scored against Milan. He scored against Roma. He scored against Napoli. And he scored against Lazio. Let me me repeat that. Fiorentina, Milan, Roma, Napoli, Lazio. Yeah. Those are five of the teams he scored against. He has seven goals and six assists. That's crazy. Debut Um, season in Serie A. Probably the signing of the season. Definitely, Definitely the signing of the season. Definitely. In in Italy at least. Yeah. Um again, you don't you don't do that in your first season. No. You don't show up on those, on those on those <laughs> stages um and just knock them in like that, like you've been playing there for so long. Like honestly, man, I I, I don't even know what to think about this guy. Like, he just came and he's so inspired. I mean partnering up with Lautaro Martinez up front and totally working and, and adapting to the system and being so open to it um, has helped him thrive completely. Like he's playing selflessly as well. He's willing to pass. He's he has he seems to have no ego on him. Like mm. he doesn't mind. Always like he, smiling. He's always, always smiling. smiling. If he scores, if he assists, he doesn't mind. Like and he must be an actual gem and a joy to play with. Honestly, yeah. so close. He was so close. So close to joining so close. Milan. I remember what you said. If you join, if you join, I said that cancelled the podcast. And yeah. now not only have I not cancelled the podcast, now yeah. he scored seven goals, including <laughs> in a five-one thrashing, cunting. I dare I even say of Milan, and I still haven't quit the podcast. So that shows. And yeah, here you are praising my industry. Horrible. Um, just a, a quick note about Lazio. Yes, they have struggled significantly in the attacking region and the defensive region, so they've pretty much struggled everywhere. They've only scored 16 goals this season in 16 matches and have conceded 18. Um, They're struggling. They're down in 11th fucking place now. I don't think they had a bad performance in this game, straight up. I really don't think they were bad. I think they brought it to winter. I think they were courageous. I think they were organized. Would I go so far as to say they'll leave the stadium with their head held high, considering their recent successful history in the stadium against Inter, I'd say no. But they put on they put on a good performance. They weren't bad. They were alright, but they never really 
I mean, they had a good start, but once Inter scored that goal, it seemed pretty much over for them, in in my opinion. Um, granted, okay, there was that um, the Rovella chance, it's true. But I, I just feel like they lack a bit of bite, man. And I don't know if it's because maybe starting with Immobile, maybe he's a little bit... It's this Past is Italy's it, immobile. You know, this yes, is Italy's yes, immobile know, that's know, playing, not not Lazio's immobile. Yes, exactly. Ah, okay. Yes, yes. It. I thought you you meant domestically. Yes, yes, totally, bro. This is this was Italy's immobile, and this season it has been Italy's immobile. Bar it was maybe soft that and game, invisible. Bar that game in the in the Champions League where he came on and totally changed things around, scoring two goals. Um, yeah. I think at this point in his career, Giro Immobile is better coming off the bench. I think so. And he's so inspired coming off the bench. You have the whole stadium honoring their top scorer. Giro. Giro. You know, he comes on. You know, start Castellanos. You can do a lot more running. Who's a lot more hungry. Yeah. And then bring on Giro if you need that experience at the end. When everyone's kind of tired. And where he can play on at the same level as his opponents. Because mm-hmm. starting him from the get-go, I don't know. He seems one step behind constantly. Yeah, yeah that's true. It's very true. And, and with and all due respect, because he's an absolute legend for Lazio, of course. Obviously. I mean, but we're, mm. we're here to discuss what's going on right now, no? Mm-hmm. Um, I think Lazio's strong point there, I say, I think their midfield had a good game. I think Rovella was good. I think Guendouzi did a lot of work. Mm-hmm. I think Guendouzi mm-hmm. is very, very important when it comes to getting down and dirty and getting your hands all over these motherfuckers. <laughs> I think that's where he's good. Kamada had a better performance than usual, but I don't want to praise him too much because he still has a lot to prove mm-hmm. in that sense. One of the things I enjoyed the most was so sure, Zakani looked like he took a knock, right, when he was coming off. Yeah. Because he, he being sorry, switched to a 4-4-2 after mm. taking out Zakani and played Gwenduzi out wide. Ha <laughs> ha. So, like, I was a bit confused by it. You know, you have mm. Zakani, you take him out and then you put Gwenduzi out, out wide, but yes, I assume he, yeah. he had taken a knock. Yeah. Um, Inter... As you all know, first place, four points ahead of Juve. And um, is that nine points ahead of Milan? Yes, that is nine points ahead of Milan. Apologies for that. Um, Lazio in 11th on 21 points, tied with Monza. Yeah, so we can probably discuss Genoa-Juve now. Um, Genoa actually held Juve at home. Um, Juve took the lead with a penalty converted by Chiesa in the first half however in the second half they brought on Ekuban in general mm-hmm. brought on Ekuban and he immediately had an impact scoring the equaliser earlier on in the second half while they were just knocking the ball around juggling the ball past the Juventus defenders mm-hmm. and eventually slotted in home did you say Ekuban scored? No, no, uh, Goodmanson scored. Sorry, yeah. Ekuban was forced on, was brought on and forced the goal for, ah, okay, okay. for Genoa yeah. Um, the game seemed initially in uh, in Juve's control. Juve, of course, were missing Rabio, mm-hmm. and that's massive a massive loss. miss for massive. them. Yes. Apart from obviously Pogba and Fagioli, who have fan- vanished into mm-hmm. thin air. While Genoa, on the other hand, were missing Gretegui, who can't catch a break this season with his injuries, and yeah. Strutman. They miss Strutman's experience because he's a very useful player, of course, for them. A lot of he has a lot of Serie A experience. Yeah. But yeah, um, it started off with Juventus being in control. They had their typical defensive approach and opportunistic attacks. Genoa showed a lot of courage and resilience, forcing the equaliser and even playing on the front foot after that. Both teams lined up in a 3-5-2 with Juve controlling the tempo. Genoa focused on utilising their flanks and maintaining a high tempo with a forward partnership of Goodmanson. And Messias, of course, you know, just trying to press them. You know, yeah. just two mobile forwards trying to press, trying to create something. Mm-hmm. And 
that substitution in the in the second half was actually genius by by Gilardino, in my opinion. Yeah. The problem for Juve is that they couldn't react, man. In the second half, they had an XG of 0.44. Madonna. Point, and 0.44 with Bremer's chance at the end of the game, nearly scoring a goal with his groin right before stoppage time. Mm. And, like, I don't know, man. I look at Juve and I see so many misplaced passes, so many bad touches. And there I say, there I say, bro, that Juve are Rabiot dependent this season. Oh, you think so? Man, honestly, I, I I I couldn't see any any bite, any muscle in that midfield. Miretti came in to replace him. There was Miretti, Locatelli, and McKenny, and they got absolutely outdone by Malinowski, Badel, and Friendrup. I mean, I'm not gonna be that guy to to say that they're dependent on one player because they drew a game after they were on the streak that they were on, which they're still on mm-hmm. that, that like mm-hmm. undefeated drawn. So I I'm hesitant to say that that was the only reason. I think that the way Genoa were set up and the way that they were pressing Juve and how organized they were, I think credit to them. I think Juve, it's more of a question. Do you remember last week we were talking about how Juve get their goals and we we're comparing them to Inter and we we're saying Inter can obviously like more seamlessly score goals yeah. while Juve wait for moments. Yeah. Genoa did not give Juve those moments. Exactly, that's they it. They did that's not it, yeah. allow them those moments. Is Rabiot more of a creative that could create more of these? Yes, but with that being said, so is Chiesa. In fact, he did it in the first half. So is Vlaovic, but he's been fucking invisible. Cambiaso, by the way, wow. He's good, he's good. He's but, good. but like, I, I was watching him... Um, break into the center of the pitch with his dribbling and his runs off the ball in this game and like definitely easily their their best wing back yes um and in fact i i highlighted him a little bit over here did you know that he's actually a product of genoa's youth team oh wow so this was a an x game for him perhaps explains the that little bit of an extra drive he had to shove mm. to shove them, you know. <laughs> um, when he was at Genoa, he was actually loaned out season after season after season. He has 26 appearances for Genoa with one goal. He was loaned out to Albisola, Savona, Alessandria, and huh. even Empoli. And then eventually he joined Juventus and was loaned out to Bologna. Now he's at Juventus mm. again. Um, yeah, he's 23 years old. He's developing very nicely and he, he looks to be a... A good player. Um, he even got Zambrotta comparisons, as you mentioned yeah, a few yeah, episodes yeah. ago. That's pretty mm-hmm. cool. Um, yes, bro. Um, a few things we can mention about this game is um, Goodmanson at one. Okay, Goodmanson scored his sixth goal of the season. Yeah, fantastic player, breakout player. Apparently, Romar in talks for him. Um, I think he's hot property right now, despite the whole controversy going on back in Iceland. Um, I think some teams would be hesitant to actually contact him because, until that is settled. But right yeah. now, he can be a total bargain, man, this player. Mm-hmm. This player can be the next big thing. I'm, I'm, I swear to God. He's yeah. not that young. He's about 26 years old, if I'm not mistaken. But he's so talented. He's a one-man army. He's like... Honestly, when it comes to attacking midfielders in the league, that that we know that attacking midfielders, that like number ten role, isn't as popular as it used to be, mm-hmm. and you don't really find as many talents in that messy role as you used to see back in the day. Albert Goodmanson is one of the best number tens in the league. Yes, he- honestly, because. Not only is he silky smooth, um, can dribble past a player, can hit a ball from distance, he is 
incredibly technical and incredibly intelligent when it comes to him dragging players away with him making those runs off the ball creating space for especially when he's playing up top alongside Retegui he really creates space for Retegui to come in from behind um the way that he can take the ball down and the way that he can control the ball and and how that he has that close ball control to attract players towards him and then unleash the perfect pass at the right time for his teammates. He's watching him is a fucking joy. It's like I the ball is, is glued yeah. to his feet, Absolutely, man. Absolutely, man. And he can eliminate players like this. Yeah, and his fucking finishing as well. Yeah, yeah, super. And he has Albert at the back of his kit, which is wicked. Yeah, yeah. The, imagine the, having the, Albert at the back of your kit. The controversy, obviously, the controversy is, sucks, is, yeah. is, I mean, a, is a fucking massive factor. Um, but we'll see what... what, what happens yeah, with thing, that if it's thing, if it's if it's the case then he might be out for a very very fucking long time if it's very the case he deserves it yes you know? but, absolutely but yeah um i can't believe this guy was in serie b last year crazy man yeah. he crazy. almost got a rocket off at the end of the first half vasquez squared it to him and mm. he flew ah, out of nowhere yes. he kicked so hard and he missed the ball like i would have torn that. everything bro yeah. doing that. <laughs> everything would have fucked up like he flew out of nowhere. He kicked. He missed the ball ever so slightly. He would have smashed it into the back of the net. I can assure you. Yeah. Um. It's interesting to note that Kiesa's on penalty duty nowadays. Um. After Vlaovic, of course, missed a few. Is he or did he just he took win this it, one? So he took it. I don't know. I don't know. I think Vlaovic has missed quite a few. That's safe to assume that Kiesa took this one for that reason. Maybe mm. Vlaovic is low on confidence. Vlaovic, man, at, at the moment, like he's missing chances that 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 he's known for. Usually executing, you know That's what I mean. Thing. His, his, his confidence like, is so shot at the like moment. Like it's not, it's not as simple as saying like he's he's not fitting Allegri's system and no, they don't man. play to his strengths. He's getting the chances nowadays. But it it is true, however, that he's often isolated and maybe yes. in a system like Inter paired with. Imagine this guy paired with. Was at Inter, he'd be top scorer, exactly. man. You know what I mean. But like this game, for example, he was taller than the entire Genoa team. Except for Dragusin. Yeah. Um, they're both 190 centimeters. Yet he failed to dominate and to assert mm-hmm. himself. Like, you have, okay, Gatti and Vlaovic are two giants that, that are bigger than everyone mm-hmm. else. And they're aerial monsters. We know that. Get them the ball. For, yeah. for, you know, use your body. Take, a, take advantage of your opponent. Just possess man. someone in a fucking yeah. air. Pre- press high up the field. Show us something. Get yourself yeah. involved. It can't be you're invisible every single match that you play. And by yeah. the way, Shout out to all the Juve fans who showed us hate on on our TikTok snippet, oh, yes. um, where we said that, or I said basically that his four celebrations in a row for his match for his goal against Inter um, was way too cocky, especially when he's been rubbish. Mm. And and he only got that goal. He's like he thought he proved the haters wrong or something. Never click on their profiles to see who the hate is coming from. But Fino alla fine. Fino alla fine. <laughs> In their bio and in their descriptions. Yeah. Shout out Another funny you. one is I, I posted a, a snippet recently of, of Camarda of Milan. And the snippet starts with me saying I have a theory. And it's basically mm. uh, me saying that uh, he was brought on basically to get him addicted to Milan. So he renews the contract, right? This guy, this fucking guy thinks he's so intelligent. And Albert Einstein. <laughs> Albert Einstein with, with theory. his theory over here. <laughs> 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 that point <laughs> love it bro love it they're drawing never saying I have people. a theory again <laughs> <laughs> but um, shout out as well to Josip Martinez goalkeeper of Genoa had yes. a brilliant game he gifted Kiesa the ball at m- one point but he made amends bravely um, jumping at his feet and yep. 
and saving the the ball over there. And then in the 89th minute, he had a miracle save on Bremer, of course, on that corner mm-hmm. when Juve were finally going to do Juve things and score from a set piece. Uh-huh. Um, but he had something to say about that. Um, two things. Juve should have probably had a penalty for a Bonnie handball. It's a bit of a grey area when it comes to handballs when the ball strikes the body first and then hits the arm. Like There was another situation like that in Serie A this weekend um, and referees often talk about it. They don't like giving those penalties, especially when yeah, they're well. penalties. I think he should have at least gone to VAR to have another look at it. I don't think every situation where the body strikes the arm but strikes the body first, sorry, the ball strikes the body first and then hits the arm, should instantly be depleted and not considered a- an offence. Uh, um, I think that the referee should be able to uh, to apply his own interpretation of the rule by being called to the monitor. Because when his arm was super extended. Exactly. Right? When it's something as clear as that, it struck his hand clearly. Mm-hmm. Send the referee over, let him take a look quickly. You know? uh-huh. um, I don't know, man. Um, I... I think that, yeah, it should have at least gone to VAR. Another one that should have definitely gone to VAR um, was Malinowski's leg breaker on Yildiz. That shouldn't have gone to VAR. That should have been a red card. Red card studs up, The force with which he went in as well with his studs so high up, man. That No, I think it's safe to say that um, Juve weren't exactly favoured in this game. And and I I think Genoa were slightly favoured. In this game, you've already done a bit dirty mm-hmm. on certain Favors occasions. Favors their um, calls when they wait. It's true. Yeah. So they were a bit lucky with their calls. Um, uh, we also got to see Ling Jr. Not um, that's not something that happens very often. Very true. Um, he was brought on to play in midfield because of, um, of course. Juventus basically had Pog- have Pogba and Fagioli in prison and um, <laughs> they, they have Rabiot suspended of course so they, they need midfielders and they brought on Ling Jr. as a makeshift midfielder not sure how I feel about it it would be nice to see him in his natural position because he's a super talent yeah um, yeah um, one more thing I want to say about Genoa is that I love their freaky routines of playing the ball to Dragosin yes. at the far post because Dragosin is tall and he's very good at football it as was, well it was, it was working every single time every they were hitting time, the man, back post it's like time. someone mark him for the love of God you know what I mean <laughs> they couldn't contain him at that far post man no it's no. like every time he would he would manage. Let's let's see his stats. Aerial duels won. He's he won four out of he won three out of four aerial duels. Dragusin, yeah, he's a beast in the air, an yeah. absolute monster. Yeah. Um. Also, Messias had a bit of a knock in the ninety third minute. Poor guy he was replaced by Hobbs. Let's hope it's nothing serious. Um. And it's funny to see that when you are in need of a goal, they bring in Yildiz, who plays such an important role in the Turkish national team mm. he's brought on in the 88th minute when it's, it's, it's too late you know yeah. it's too late. Yeah. bring him on earlier man you need you need a bit of a you need someone to connect that midfield to the attack and Yildiz would be perfect man you I know, think a player so who, who plays so well for his country give him a chance yeah why the fuck not why not Genoa are in 14th place with 16 points while Juventus are in 2nd place with 37 points Milan 3 Monza nil. The you guys know it as Milan Monza. We know it as the Derby de Berlusconi. Um, Milan coming off a midweek win at St James's Park, which was only good enough to get the Rossoneri Thursday night football. Ooh, the hill, the hill. The ooh, uh, the hill. Oh, Alan Shear talking about. Oh, you must have been playing downhill in the second yeah. half, baby. <laughs> <laughs> the fucking hill, my ass. 
the match unfolded with some significant developments, but Milan's change in formation to a 3-4-3 with a backline of Tomori, Kier, Pobega is what stole the headlines. Kier returned after two months out and Pobega, well, is not a centre-back. Dude, this is, this is what, I, what I fucking... What impresses me about Pioli, man. Give me he that shit, give me that he shit. He doesn't care what anyone has to say, man. And sometimes it can work against him because he's criticized for being stubborn and he doesn't do what seems to be obvious. But in cases like this, man, he's stuck with his gut and it worked. Mm-hmm. Because what other coach in the world during an injury crisis when you're missing all, all your, your center, center backs, backs. And, and you've got Kier who is basically on stilts at this point. And you've got no one, it's just Kier and Tomori. Half a Kier and Tomori as your yeah. center back. He plays three at the back, you know. And it fucking worked. So kudos to him. I when I saw it, I couldn't believe my eyes. I was like, "How is this guy playing three at the back? Three center backs, man! But we don't even have three center backs literally, at the moment. Literally, but it worked. It worked. Bro, so. even Caldara is injured. Like, yeah. it's, it's, <laughs> it's, it's 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 fucked up. But but it it worked, and I think volume is what's gonna stop teams from scoring. So just put three pinheads at the back, and and just hope to God that it nothing can happen. You know, remember when Milan were going through that situation last season? That was the solution. It's like. With every shot teams are taking against Milan, they're scoring. So mm. put three, th- put three men behind the ball and and yeah. and see if they'll get a shot away. And, and that's what got Milan out of that situation. That's what got Milan past Spurs in the round of sixteen yeah. of the Champions League. It's Contest what Spurs. Yeah, it's 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 what um, only got Milan to lose one nil against Inter <laughs> when they had previously lost three nil and and this and that. They lost fucking 5-2 to Sassuolo. They lost to Udinese. They lost to all these guys. That's what saved them. And maybe, who knows, this is um, a solution. Calabria was suspended after his red card in Milan's loss to Atalanta, which meant that Florenzi started as a right wing-back. That also freaked me out because he hasn't got the legs that he has had in the past, but whatever. The scoring action began early in the third minute when Reinders scored an impressive goal manoeuvring past defenders in his trademark direct run before finishing through the legs of Di Gregorio. Like I said, channeled his inner Kaka. Obviously, exaggeration, funny, haha. Kaka doesn't finish that poorly. No, but, <laughs> but, but you know, let's He's not focus on dude, that. I, it was I a think, toe poke through the legs of the keeper. I think Di Gregorio was expecting a proper finish. <laughs> And was, the fact that the finish was like directly at him actually worked to Reinders' advantage because the Gregorio was expecting to dive there. Yeah, I guess so. I guess so. But, bro, what a goal. What, what a, a goal, goal by he Tiani. Did, he did very well. Great goal by Tiani. Pobega was forced to leave the field in the 23rd minute due to a muscular problem. What? A Milan player playing as a centre-back with a muscular problem? No way! That added to Milan's... Milan season's injury tally um, with Kalulu, Chao, Caldara and Pellegrino out injured he was replaced by 18-year-old Serbian Giancarlo Simic who made his first ever appearance at senior level since signing for AC Milan it wasn't long before Simic's milestone became twice as memorable as he smashed the ball into the back of the net after a square pass by Rafa Leao making it 2-0 to Milan he had the entire bench out of their dugout, jumping with him in celebration. What a moment. This is what football is about, no? Absolutely, man. And these youngsters, seeing like Camarda coming on and reacting to the fans shouting his name and, and Simic's face after scoring the goal. And you can tell, like, 
the corporations can try to take over football all they want. These teams can make all these big money signings all they want. But when you see a youth player coming up the ranks and actually making his dream come through, through there's there's no way of stopping that, first of all. And second of all, that's what football is all about, man. And it's, exactly. and it's beautiful. Also, another year, another simage. Yes. How many simages have Milan had? Two. <laughs> way more than two. <laughs> there was the one that um, basically had one good game against Inter, I believe it was. And he had an interview and he was he was a little bit cocky and then he was never heard of again. Uh-huh. He was sold. There was a simic from when we were young. Well, the, the simic we all know yeah. and love. Um, you know, there are quite a few simics, bro. Quite yeah. a few. Another year, another simic. Yep. Um, Okafor sealed the victory at the 76th minute, capitalizing on a well-coordinated team move initiated by Reinders and just the, the hold-up play by Giroud over here, the technique in that pass. Beautiful. Moments later, though, Okafor suffered a thigh injury, which seemed to be prompted after his unorthodox celebration, marking Milan's 29th injury this season. Do you think it was because of the celebration, man? I mean, that this isn't... I haven't seen any articles pointing at it. It's just me and you are, huh? watching some highlights saying, Oh, what happened there? Oh, there's speculation that going down on his right, on his left knee, he went down on his left knee, right? And he got yeah. up and he kind of stumbled. Maybe he weird. just lost balance, but he was fine up until that point. And then after that, he was fucked. So maybe he did injure himself in the celebration. But, you know, for next time, man. For next yeah. time. Perhaps, perhaps. He's out for a month. It's just devastating, man. This guy, this guy is barely playing, and he's already on four goals. He's 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 good, man. And he 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 runs into the box late. He's a late arrival in the box, and he offers options that we don't usually have in the box. And and he just creates this kind of fluid, this fluidity around him. And he also presses so fucking well. Yeah, he presses so well high up the field. And think about it, Milan really don't have players that press high up the field. Mm-hmm. Leao doesn't press for the life of him. Giroud tries, Mr. tries, yeah. poor guy. Jovic, Jovic presses to be fair, but nowhere near as effectively, not as, as intensely, as, 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 exactly, not as intensely as as Okafor. Yeah. Um, and Choku presses quite hard. Choku well. presses quite a lot. <laughs> I think of Choku is just was a sound clip. Um, uh, <laughs> Chuku when he's on the ball and it's like you know when the Flintstones are driving their car and they've got their feet <laughs> I, have to, I have to find this bro yeah someone on Twitter basically said this is how Chukweza plays football That's too good. It's so yeah. good. Um, shout out to Chukweza for getting the winner against uh, Newcastle midweek. What a goal. What a, that what was a, goal. a lovely, by the way, again, positive yeah. um, praise for Pioli, um, making the substitutions that eventually guaranteed. Yes, something we're not used to as Milan yeah, fans. We often criticise this in game game changing substitutions by Pioli. We really haven't seen them. But in this one, he made one as well with Simic. Yeah. <laughs> What did you make of, of Simic, not only for his goal, but the way he fit into, particularly, that three-at-the-back formation? I was 
very pleased with him and I was ready to praise him before he had even scored because hey. he fit in like a glove man yeah. the guy was brought in I believe for 1 million euros as a, a young from server Stuttgart. from Stuttgart for, like that's a very very expensive mm-hmm. signing for a, for a youngster um, yeah. he's only 18 now like I don't know when he was bought but he's been he's been developing very nicely clearly um, under the radar and I like the way that Milan have taken care of this player because he's clearly ready man He's ready. And this kind of thing, when you have um, injury crises... Crisi. Crisis. <laughs> <laughs> when you have many an injury crisis... Lovely. Um, <laughs> you often find gems. You often find diamonds that come out yeah. of nowhere. For example, Malik Chow. Exactly. Malik Chow was brought about... When Milan had no more defenders to rely on, and suddenly the new boy mm-hmm. had to, he was forced to play basically. Yeah. And it's the same thing with this guy. Now, now I wonder: can can Milan return to a four-two-three-one and start with Tomori alongside Simic, for example? Is he ready for that? A back three does protect you. Yeah, a back it does. three does um, kind of give you a bit more room for error, mm-hmm. um, and and they have less pressure on you. Yeah. But it, it is interesting. This guy made himself available, and he was ready, and he had a fantastic game, in my opinion. Yeah. Looked like a mature player. And what did you think of... So, firstly, I, I agreed regarding Simic. I think even his confidence in carrying the ball forward mm. and playing it out wide to Florenzi or playing it to Ruben... And in the, the press, in the man. They press him, and he just escapes. It's yeah, yeah, brilliant, yeah. Brilliant. Good, very good. Um, Bartasaghi, also good. Pellegrino... Mm-hmm. Also good, just baptism of fire against fucking Inter. No? Against in Napoli. Against Nap- Napoli, you're Napoli, right. Yes, you're right. Yes. I was to be in honest, Pellegrino, I haven't really seen, seen yeah, in Australia. I haven't really seen much of But uh, I, I feel I feel like obviously Simic is being painted in a higher light at in, in a higher light at the moment, naturally, as he should be for his performance, but lest we forget that, that there are other young talents in, in Milan's youth system as well within that area that we could be seeing much more of in the future, particularly the versatile Bartezaghi, mm-hmm. who can play mm-hmm. as a left-back and who could play as a left-centre-back as well. I am excited to see him in the future as well, but right now it's all about Simic um, and Milan's three at the back formation. What did you think of Milan in a 3-4-3? Because typically when you start three at the back, you're prioritizing defense. But we have seen teams like Inter, particularly under Simone and Zaghi and, and under Conte as well, where you have a three at the back, but you're a very fluid team mm-hmm. who's always constantly thinking about attacking. And I do think that Milan had a tighter defense and even more fluid attacks. Mm-hmm. Um, what was interesting for me is that this was a 3-4-3, but it was really narrow. Yeah, and much it's of the true. play went down the middle. It's true. And I, re- I I liked it a lot, man, and I really liked Leao's positioning. He was often um, the reference point up front. I think he was. If you look at the heat maps, he, his average position he was the player that was furthest up compared yeah. to everyone else. Like even Giroud was deeper than him. Um, I thought it was it was great. Um, I'm, I I don't think that this should be the way forward in every single game, but it's nice to know that Milan have this option. To fall back on in certain games where, for example, um, either you've got the defensive crisis or you've you you know you're struggling to create or maybe the opponent plays a certain system that you wish to mirror. For example, mm. this is this is a a good weapon to have in your sleeve. Definitely, and it's the same as last season, except I don't get carried away after just one performance, but but. Milan really did look good, bro. They, look, they looked a, really good. Milan have a good team, man. The problem is that 
no one's ever available. But when you see the options that, that Pioli has been bringing up, bringing off the bench, bringing on the likes of Okafor and Chukwueze, Okafor and Chukwueze are an injection of pace and power. Yeah. You look at, okay, Jovic has, I've criticized Jovic aggressively on this podcast, um, <laughs> but he's a player who, whose CV speaks for itself. Yeah, right? he's been, he's, and, and he's really picked it up. Of course, and he has, and he's he's clearly Absolutely. an intelligent player. You know, mm-hmm. you look at Loftus Cheek and Ryan. There is all right. You bring one of them out. You bring in Ismail Benasser, mm-hmm. the Afghan player of the year a few years ago. A brilliant player. Recently said he wants to win the Ballon d'Or. By the way, um, recently also said that that he wouldn't mind a move back to Arsenal because he loves the club. Really? Also said he's going to Afghan. <sighs> but yes, um, basically Milan have options. They're very unlucky with their injuries. But yes, this. These versatile players that Milan have, and many of these players can play in two or three positions. So, of course, there is room for for experimentation. Do you know what pisses me off? Pisses me off. Pisses me off. Tell Do me you? what pisses you off. The fact that, like, Milan are always like, no, we're not a three-at-the-back team. No, we're a 4-3-3. We're a 4-2-3-1. No, we shouldn't get Conte, for example. Mm-hmm. How could Milan play with a three-at-the-back Pisses me off a bit that, I don't know, maybe, maybe if Milan had a certain manager that could play at three at the back and maybe was a very, very good manager and a very experienced manager. Oh God, you're talking about Tony, aren't you? Tony? Antonio. Antonio. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> it confused me. Not, not, just, not just Tony, if, if that's what we're fucking calling Conte yeah. n- nowadays. Um, because I don't like Conte, okay? I'm a Milan fan. Conte was at Juve. Conte was at Inter. He won the Scudetto with both of them. He is the devil. <laughs> That's what he is to me. He's a, we, can agree, we can appreciate that he's a great manager, but it's weird seeing him on your team because he's always been the enemy. Basically. Exactly. Yeah. But, but all I'm going to say is that maybe Milan shouldn't be so quick to shut down um, different managers because we don't believe that we could play certain formations because... Whenever Milan played at, at three at the back, even last season, we're like, oh, look how much better Milan are. I don't think it's about Milan not being able to play a certain formation. I think it's more about long-term planning. So you bring in Conte, okay, he might win you a league in two seasons. Um, but what's he going to do to win you that league? He's going to bring in, he's going to complain a lot in the media. He's going to create unrest between the management and the upper division of the team. He's going to push for certain profiles that he wants that maybe aren't sustainable profiles in the future, maybe go against the plan that Milan have of investing young, for example. He um, he's, he's just going to focus on winning the, on winning immediately, that's it. Yeah. And, and Milan don't necessarily need to win immediately because Milan won a Scudetto recently. They're, they're getting top four mm-hmm. consistently. They're on the right track. Now what they need is a manager to match the philosophy that they want to deploy mm. which is clearly a positive brand of football in a 4-3-3 or 4-2-3-1 or whatever um, but I like the profiles of Thiago Motta or Deserbi for example those yeah. would be fantastic if yeah. Pioli were to actually leave yeah I agree I, I, I love those two managers and I also don't want to be that guy that, that says Milan should instantly only consider a, a three at the back formation after a positive performance <laughs> against Monza with a three at the back yeah, I was saying don't be so quick to turn down to turn down options because players adapt and and and, and that's, not that's to clear. mention Conte's salary would be more than any of Milan's players. 
Exactly. No, he would no. be like he'd be yeah. making more than Leo. So would Zerbi, bro. With, with that being said, he's tasting How that much? fucking cash, that, that that Premier League cash, and and he's is he on a crazy salary at Brighton? I'm not sure if it's a crazy salary. I, mean, he, I, he I don't was... know Premier League manager salaries, yeah. but but I know that that basically him to City after Pep is essentially yeah. a done deal. Yeah. Like like he he won't come to Milan and Motta. I I th- I think he's got very different plans to Milan. Perhaps, different perhaps, plans. but I think Motta's open-minded enough to look at a project and to move on from there. You see, managers, man, they often don't seem to care about their past alliances. Hey, it's, it's weird. Purely is one of them. Purely has played for Juve and managed Inter and managed Milan. Like, yeah. But yeah, yeah, and Fiorentina were massive rivals to Juve. Exactly. But I think that's more on the Fiorentina side than on the Juve side. Yeah, Milan third. Pardon me. Uh, on thirty-two points, Monza in tenth on twenty-one points. Yes, bro. We can talk about Bologna Roma, which ended two 0 It was a victory for Bologna at the Dallara Stadium. Massive, the bro. Massive. Beautiful Dallara Stadium. Shout out to Chesco, friend of yes. the podcast, who was there supporting was the wrong team. <laughs> supporting the wrong team. He was miserable. Um, they secured the win through goals from Moro and an own goal by Christensen. They were missing key players like Lukaku and Dybala and struggled against a faster, well-organized Bologna side. I mean, wh- who are Roma without Lukaku and Dybala this season? Uh, absolutely nothing. Nothing. A, a mid-table team, that's what they look like. Um, Ravalia was given the start, was given a starting goal for Bologna. Um, Skorupski has been fantastic, but apparently Ravalia has shown shown a lot in training mm-hmm. and has been training very well to a very high level to the point that Motta said you know what man you deserve a start and he started him in a game against Roma that's 24 a, years that's old a cool move for a keeper that's fucking young that's so young for a goalkeeper it's true um, one of the players of the match was Dan Ndoye who played on the right Salamakers played on the left Ferguson was in the Trequatista position with Zergzi up front while Roma started with El Sharawi and Bellotti up front um, the match started with intense physicality, many robust challenges and disputes, um, and Guida had a really tough time managing the emotions this game. Uh, many yellow cards early on as well. Yeah. Um, it was in the 37th minute where Dan Ndoyev found Nicola Moro, Moro by, with a pullback mm-hmm. pass. What would you call it? A pullback pass, kind of? Yeah. You run to the byline and pass the ball. Yeah, you literally pull back the ball. Um, Nicola Moro wasn't tracked back by Pellegrini. He ran and he slotted it home to score the first goal of the game. Shortly into the second half, in the 49th minute, it was Dan and Doy again charging. Um, he played the ball to Ferguson. Ferguson whipped the ball in, and Dan and Doya was in a 50 50 with Rasmus Christensen. He tried to get the ball into the back of the net. Eventually, the ball deflected off Rasmus Christensen and went into the back of the net for an own goal. And that pretty much was the game over there. Ravalia had to make some amazing saves, brilliant saves. I had two yeah. great saves on Bellotti. Um, and one great save on Lorente, who tried to chip him from the halfway line in the first half. <laughs> yeah, the second miss by Bellotti should have definitely done much better, though. That was a terrible miss, one yeah. one. And the, you know, you think back of the Bellotti that we're used to at Torino, he would have fucking executed that chance brilliantly. Yes, sir. One of the main talking points of the game was um, Mourinho bringing in Renato Sanchez in the second half in the forty-sixth minute, and then removing him again in the sixty-fourth minute. He brought him on for 19 minutes. Well, well, 
Did is he not injured? That, that that's no, 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 what he, I perceived. He wasn't injured. Um, in his post-match presser, he explained, "With Renato, we live in a situation of hope. We always think that space, certain responsibilities, adrenaline are the ideal way to make him make the leap. He has emotional scars. He has many fears due to past injuries. He works at a low intensity on everything we do." He improves in volume and workload, but never in intensity. In the last match against Sheriff, he had given us 60 minutes of hope. And today, I thought about inserting him because the team could have benefited from his quality. But then I realized I had made a mistake, because he wasn't ready to make the leap in such an intense setting. I'm sorry. The last time I did this to a player before Renato was Matic, and I'm terribly sorry about this, but today I couldn't leave the team with a player who had become frustrated. I had to make the decision. Mourinho. Are you that kind of guy that overshares everything that's going on in your head in these scenarios? Because I, I, he's probably right. Well, yeah. he's definitely right in that sense. He he knows his players best. He's a genius. Um, he's got bags of experience. Sometimes you make a mistake. So just say, look, I made a mistake. It was the wrong um, tactical approach that I was mm. going for with that change. I mean, he did apologize. My bad, but he put it on the player. He put it on the player yeah, by, by elaborating yeah. on why his mistake. It was my mistake because it's all his fault and I shouldn't <laughs> have given him that responsibility. It's That's classic what Mourinho, no? Classic Mourinho, throwing his players under the bus and trying yeah. to be a big man about it while he's doing that. I'm sorry. And, and with this pre-context that Mourinho has about a player who is scared of going into 50-50s and because of his history with injuries, you bring him on in a feisty fucking encounter away to Bologna where you're down down and pretty much out. You bring him on. You want to bring on a fighter. He's on a good salary. Yeah? He should be ready for these games, bro. I know that the profile they bought, they should have. They should know what, what to expect when, when you bring in a player with such a... Terrible injury record. Yeah. But yeah, um, clearly he's not ready, man. He's not ready yet. Um, one of my favorite things he said was... Um, <laughs> where, where is it? Um, I want to, to publicly apologize to Renato. What I felt I was doing is hard for a footballer, but it was hard for me too. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, all right. He also said, bro, listen to this. Listen to Mourinho's words, man. Without Dybala... There is no class, and without Romelu, we lack physicality. I knew it would be tough without them. We had great physical difficulties. Bologna have players with skill and intensity. We don't. For this reason, the game became more complicated. Like, again, putting it on his players. You, you, know, you know what this was? You know what this game was to me mm. as, as a consumer? By, not, not a genius, not a, not a mm. tactical fucking maniac of football but to me as an observer someone that watches Serie A week in week out this was a classic traditional manager with a classically traditionally set up team versus a modern manager with a modern team Mm -hmm. that's what it was it was free flowing offensive confident attacking technical football against cowardice and, and, and cheap tactics in order to try scrape a point out of out of this game that was the difference to me yeah um 
in in theory, Roma weren't far off from getting something out of this game. You know, when you look at the statistics, they're almost perfectly even. Bologna, of course, had more possession, as seems to be the case with Roma. The XG was very similar, 0.51 for Bologna, 0.59 for for Roma, and the quality of chances was the same. It is the the main difference, I think, for me was Ravaglia. Man, Ravaglia really saved Bologna and kept them in the game because it could have totally been um, a more even match if it weren't for him. Um, but yes, you you are right. You know, um, of course, stylistically, Thiago Motta's system is a lot more positive than than Mourinho's for sure. Mourinho mentioned an interesting point post game as well. He said that um, Roma should really think about the financial fair play situation, and that maybe it would be better to move forward with young players. Mm. Um, he knows the. He said everyone knows the overall quality of the team. I assume he's. Um, He's he's implying that it's not to standard, you know, and he's saying that you know, okay, um, I'm willing to stay on as the Roma manager, and I do hope that they give me a a contract. But these players are not of the right quality, and maybe we should focus on developing a few players for a long term project. Basically, saying let's take on the Milan project essentially, mm. because that's what Milan are doing. Well, the, uh, yes, because if they've got the option of like every summer, it's oh my god. Roma didn't spend a single cent. And do you know who they brought in? It's like, yes, you're bringing in good players, but but you're not bringing in long-term solutions. You're not bringing in anyone to be the center of your project. You're bringing in 28-year-olds, 29-year-olds who struggle significantly with injuries. And, and, And what happens in a case like this? You've got a game where Lukaku's out suspended and the ball is injured. And look at Roma's team and tell me they deserve to be anywhere close to the top four with a team like that. Pellegrini, Paredes, Cristante, Christensen, Spinazzola, El Sharawi, Bellotti, Mancini, Lorente, Dica. At full strength, I think, I think to, to contest for that top four spot. You look at their injury list. They've got Smalling, Award, Dybala, Abraham, who I forgot existed, by the way. Mm. And um, Spinazzola was actually Abraham, hello. Spinazzola was actually doubtful for this game as well. So they're playing with Spinazzola, who's not at one hundred percent. They bring in mm. Renato Sanchez, who's not at one hundred percent. Gianluca Mancini at the back apparently is playing with an acute hernia. So it's it's not it's not looking that good for Roma. That must be tough, huh? playing with a fucking that hernia. That must be tough. Jesus, and not getting a yellow card. <laughs> you stay calm when you've got a hernia. Yeah. You, you think he had. Like a stick up his ass or something. I, I, I find it really funny, by the way, how it seems that Mancini's calmed down nowadays. Eh? It's, it's hilarious because he was always the first one to get booked and always the first one to go up to players and confront. Mm. Conf- like in confrontations, he'd be in the front. Like he's a maniac. Yeah, know? yeah. Nowadays, it seems that he's calmed down, though. And like everyone around him seems to have taken on his spirit. It's mm. quite funny. Yeah, I guess. I guess. Yes. But I think I think Bologna deserved the victory over here. Absolutely. They're in the bro. top four and I think they deserve to be there, man. Absolutely, absolutely. Um, Freuler as a defensive pivot. Madonna. Wow, man. The best player on the pitch. By him, far, by him, far. Him, um, of course, Ndoye had a great game. Mm-hmm. He was obviously very good. Of course, Zergzi. By now. the way, look at Zergzi's heat map. Let's see. Nowhere near the penalty box. He, I think he entered the penalty box. You could see that spot on the right-hand side once. Wow. He's oh. so he, he's always in on like around. Then, then look at Ndoya and um, Salamakers. Salamakers very far to the left, yeah. hustling up and down that left hand side. 
Ndoye, on the other hand, always in the box. That's, always, exactly. That's cool. That's cool. So Joshua Zergs, he was almost uh, a decoy this game. Yeah, getting the ball, releasing it quickly, and the whole idea was to plan to play Dan and Doye. Yeah, know? it's funny because he had he hasn't even scored this season yet. Dan and Doye, crazy. Um, I, I'm finding it really funny that that I I just figured out today that his name is, is Dan. Dan. It doesn't match, right? No, yeah. not at all. Danny boy, Danny <laughs> boy. <laughs> but he had a fantastic game. His best game so far that I've seen. Mm. Um, he started off the season well. He seemed to dip a bit, but now he's mm. he's back at it. Yeah, spoiler man of the match, in my opinion. Yep, same. I agree. And then Moro for his work rate around, like he really, um, Freuler was really allowed to stay in that number six pocket and and really be the the metronome, whilst Moro was doing a lot of dirty work Mm -hmm. around the pitch, winning the ball back and doing so on and so forth. And he even grabbed himself a goal, so that was very cool. Yeah, and um, of course Bologna are doing this without Sao Mauro, Orsolini and Carlsen. Um, super performance by them They totally deserve top 4 And I wonder if they can keep this up Once again they're playing once a week um, they They've go. actually got quite a bit of depth You know I mean Freuler and Mora don't even start every game They've got Arbusher as well on the bench Like this is this is a super team You know for, for the, Considering what we're used to seeing with Bologna so, And Fabian And Fabian as well Yeah Fabian who seems to have this goal scoring aura about him Yeah But yeah Bologna are in 4th with 28 points while Roma are down in eighth with twenty five points. Not My too God, far what, off. what one match they dusted Dusty, though, yeah. from from fourth to eighth. It's Absolutely, crazy. it's tight. Yeah, Napoli Cagliari was a very interesting one. Uh, Napoli two, Cagliari one at the Maradona. Zielinski was out again for Napoli. It's this weird in out shake it all about at the moment with Zielinski, mm-hmm. um, and Mazzari fielded Cayuste instead. Uh, Rui was back but only fit for the bench So Nathan once again started as the left back Cagliari adopted a resilient 4-4-2 formation Which uh, we all know Ranieri is a, is a big fan of the mm-hmm. 4-4-2 formation I guess this was aimed to challenge Napoli's attack And allow them to, to kind of compress um, and sit back Also Pavoletti and Petania started up front So a lot of physicality over there um, And Lovumbo started the game on the bench Little trick up their sleeve over yeah. there um, Rahmani's header hit the post in the first half However, Cagliari's resistance tested Napoli's defence With Nandes threatening and Meret making a crucial save The second half witnessed some tactical adjustments As Cagliari shifted to a 3-5-2 formation Attempting to capitalise on Napoli's vulnerabilities And double down on the midfield battle Mazzari responded, responded with impactful substitutions And reverting to a 4-2-3-1 formation to combat that the narrative changed and then when Rui entered the pitch for Nathan, providing this width and, and um, precise deliveries for Napoli, which they were really, really lacking. Um, Ozzyman's towering header broke the deadlock in the 69th minute. However, Cagliari responded swiftly as substitute Zito Lovombo made a decisive run down the left flank, delivering a ball into the six-yard box to Pavoletti, who shrugged off the challenge from Juan Jesus and finished from close range. We could see here... Tactical adjustments and substitutions is what this game was all about. Napoli restored their advantage with extraordinary work from Ossiman, who drew six players around him as he juggled with his chest and knee and his back towards goal, managed to turn and get the pass back to Kvaratskhelia to fire in relatively undisturbed at the far post. 
Politano had a goal disallowed later on in the game and Napoli had to defend against Cagliari's late attempts with Dossena missing a crucial chance towards the end but Napoli did manage to get away with three points. Very interesting how this game between Napoli and Cagliari ended up to be so fuck- such a chess match, eh? Yeah, um, I definitely wasn't expecting that but the only thing I could think about, bro, was how... Remember last week we said that kind of Mazzari has given... Napoli defensive unity, mm-hmm. but kind of the attack is left up for improvisation. Yep. That second goal, man, that's total improvisation. Yes. Absolutely. To a T. Like, I'm sure Mazzari was like, all right, then we're going to give the ball to Ozzy, man. He's going to mm-hmm. knock it up. He's going to juggle it past Dosena. He's going <laughs> to he's gonna lose control for it, of it for a second. He's going to drag it back underneath Dosena's legs, square it to Paratskelia. You know, no, no. That's, that's total individual brilliance over there. Yeah, no, I mean, Absolutely, and there's no debate about about that. I think the difference in this game was Victor Oziman. Mm-hmm. Imagine this game, but with Diego Simeone up front or with Raspadori up front. That been Giovanni totally different. Simeone. I always, I always <laughs> do that. Of course, it's Giovanni Simeone. Yeah. Like, of course. Um, it would, it wouldn't have been quite the same, and it would have probably been a draw, if not yeah. worse. To be yeah. honest with you. Um, Victor Oziman is one of the best strikers in European football and I will die on this hill man when when people start talking about oh, the, the Harry Kane's of this world the Haaland's of this world like Oziman's right there with them man Oziman's a one man army he's up Fantastic there now player. he's back because he was out injured and he it took him two three games to kind of find his goal scoring mm. rhythm back obviously it was with the Napoli's kind of tough fixture schedule um now Ossiman well he went off injured towards the end of the game apparently with um an injured groin hmm. now I don't know how serious that is um I don't think it's too serious because I think we would have heard about it immediately yeah, yeah, yeah. I think he's being cautious with like Afcon coming up is that kind of thing of if course you... with Barcelona being drawn and all Barca that. being drawn yeah. exactly um but he's 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 back now and and he could he could kind of show us what we were missing during his his lengthy injury and I do think that given a full season he's up there top five in the world easily. Absolutely, easily man. top five. Absolutely, and by far the best. Uh, not by far anymore, actually, the best in the league, because Lautaro is Lautaro's definitely is, is, is the season. Like he takes the cake. Huh? Yeah. So so yeah, Lautaro and Ozyman are some of Serie A's finest, of course, mm-hmm. and they deserve global attention. I believe. Uh-huh. You don't often have Lautaro out injured as well. That's eh? it. He's Mister Reliable Man, and Lautaro is just. The fire of all odds, man. He's not quite fast enough, but he'll outpace your man. Not quite big enough, but he'll win the header. Yeah. You know, he's mm. a totally super player. Like. Do you know um, why the game was delayed for half an hour? Because I, I had seen something about the wind, if I'm not mm-hmm. mistaken. It was very windy and many of the fans hadn't made it into the stadium yet for that reason. Is that it? Because... Um, the wind damaged the roof of the Diego Maradona Stadium. So fans didn't make it in because for precautionary reasons, they weren't letting everyone in. 
because oh there was a situation with the roof but it was it was all cleared up i thought it was just the wind and it's like yeah. ah the weather is shit let's wait it out <laughs> maybe yeah, give it 30 minutes maybe it comes <laughs> no <laughs> yeah um yeah this was a this was a very good game to be honest i i am super impressed by by Cagliari. i think with the spirit that they have um they should survive it hurts not to see them take anything out of a game I like know, this right? where the they were so like this where they were so good. And I think that actually starting with Kaios and of Zelensky actually worked out in their favor because they have quite a physical team. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. quite a few um, aggressive players over there. So maybe starting with Kaios and Anguissa in the midfield along with Lobotka actually helped Napoli assert a little bit of dominance. Yeah, I, I think so. And, you know, against a team like Cagliari, maybe it serves you to be a bit more physical than... than usual because they are a very physical team to play yeah, against. Yeah. Napoli are in 5th on 27 points, while Scaliari are in 16th on 13 points. It was weird seeing Pavoletti scoring in, before the 90th minute. Hey, hey. Very weird. Honestly. Not used to that. Um, Fiorentina, bro, played Hellas Verona. Mm-hmm. They beat them 1-0, but they struggled. Huh? Yes. It wasn't an easy game at all. so much. And Verona were the much better team in the first half and even in most of the second half as How well. How interesting, man. Um, Beltran had a goal in the 78th minute that essentially won the game for Fiorentina. And this goal came in a massive lapse of concentration where all of Beltran's teammates were appe- appealing for a penalty Yeah. after the ball seemed to come off a Verona defender's hand. Um, and the Hellas Verona fans were players, sorry, were obviously distracted by these calls and were ball watching and looking around. And Beltran just came out of nowhere and rifled the ball um, off of um, who was it? Amione into the mm. back of the net. Yes. Yeah. It could um, have been anyone. There were so many of them. Could have been anyone, dude. And the game started off so intensely. There was a penalty earlier, early on. You know, um, Juric stepped up to take it. Terracciano saved it, and then mm. Terracciano went Beast. on to make about. Let me give you the exact number. Seven saves this game. Madonna, man. Terracciano made seven saves, and all of them incredible. If you go watch the highlights, just Terracciano! Terracciano! Um, 2.71 goals prevented, according to the XG statistics. Christ, yeah, he man. is not a fantastic ball playing goalkeeper. Um, however, as a shot stopper, he's one Brilliant. of the finest in the league. One of the most underrated keepers yeah. in the league. And sure. you know, Fiorentina keep buying goalkeepers to replace him, and he always seems to play. Yeah. Yeah, and that's that's a there's obviously a reason for that. Beltran was interesting to see started as the ten. There was a bit of a sy- systemic change for Fiorentina. Well, not systemic, personnel change. Mm. Luca Ranieri was at the back with Quarta, with Martinez Quarta, Mandragora and Lopez were in the middle. Beltran played at, as the ten, and Inzola played up front, and he touched mm-hmm. the ball fifteen times. <laughs> Classic Mbala. Yeah, for Hellas Verona, it seems that um, they've changed their system to a four-two-three-one, and they've decided to sacrifice Davidovic. Um, and they're playing with Isaac Hien and Maniani. Now, Isaac Hien did not have the best game and he hasn't been quite himself after coming back from injury. Um, he had 59% pass completion. He had 38 touches. He mm. only won one duel on the ground. However, his aerial duels were a little bit better and he lost the ball 14 times. So he needs to get back in his groove, Isaac Hien. Yeah. Um, obviously, Andre Duda and Faroni were still... Um, suspended and injured respectively while Nico Gonzalez was out Castrovilli was out Dodo and Martinelli were out for Fiorentina mm-hmm. um, I 
it was interesting to see first of all that um, Italiano risked leaving it so late to to see that they were going to win because he didn't bring on Bonaventura this game. Bonaventura was an option off the bench and he just didn't bring him on. And Fiorentina's goal came in the 78th minute and he hadn't brought him on yet. He relied on the likes of Beltran and Nzola to get his goal. Now, what do you make of that? Do you think it's simply because Bonaventura is 34 years old and needs to be rested? Perhaps. If, if, it, if it was a choice not to bring on um, one of the best goal-scoring midfielders in the league when you need a goal, look, he either had a bunch of faith in Lucas Beltran um, or Bonaventura needed a rest. Sometimes, when it comes to Italiano, I struggle to put my finger on where his mind is at, where his head is mm-hmm. at when it comes to certain players because he makes certain calls and I... I'm going to be honest, the reason I notice it the most is because I take very effective players of theirs on Fanta Calcio <laughs> and sometimes I randomly see them not starting and I'm like, yeah, yeah, yeah. what has Biragi done not to start? They don't even have a great, this was last season, they don't even have a great replacement for him. Why is he not there? Um, why is he not starting this game? Why is, he, why is Bonaventura benched I think Bonaventura game? must have been injured because he wasn't even in the squad in the Conference League game to be honest with you. So he must have come back and he left him on the bench so as not to risk him, I guess. That makes sense. But your point stands, absolutely, and players do seem to disappear under Italiano. Yeah, yeah. I I find it interesting how, like, Verona performed in this game. They performed well in this game. Verona played very well. When they've they've changed their system because Italiano actually spoke about it. Um, I have his words here if if you want to hear them. He said, we struggled in the first half where Terracciano had good times and bad times because Terracciano actually gave away the penalty, of course. Mm. Um, his touch was heavy on a back pass. They pressed him. I believe it was Folorunsho who pressed him. And when he went to clear the ball away, he clipped Folorunsho, gave away the penalty, saved it, saved the rebound, and then made another five saves as the game <laughs> progressed. He said... He saved the penalty, the rebound, three to four decisive interventions. In the second half... Even if we weren't as usual, we found the goal. A match in which perhaps we deserved less. But it has also happened other times in which we deserved more and we gained nothing. Fair enough. Philosophical. (laughs) We are on a path made up of many close commitments. Today the boys showed a little tiredness, but it's good to win. Not concede a goal and climb the ranking. The approach? This can be explained because Verona is a fearsome team. They have changed their system. With the ball above you, you have to adapt to their way of interpreting matches. After the first half, we changed something. We no longer conceded in the match, and we must take advantage of this. Or we had to take advantage Mm -hmm. of this, rather. Losing today would have been terrible, um, given the standings um, and our victory. This is actually spectacular, is what he said. Mm. So, yes... um, very interesting to see that um, people are taking note of Hellas Verona's tactical changes. They've moved away from the three at the back and they are actually playing better. And this was without Duda, who's been pretty good this yep, season. Yeah, he's been very good. Nice to see Saponara introducing himself slowly, slowly coming off the bench, come towards the end of the game. I'm telling you, next game, Cagliari. Mm, maybe, mm, huh? maybe, maybe. It's going to fucking chip it's it. It's going to happen. It's going to happen. This season, we're, we're due, man. And when it happens, I'm going to enjoy every second of it, man. That's Saponara curler from out of the box. Literally. Um, we can't not talk about this. Davidovich came on. Ah, yes. Did you see his ritual? He did his face routine, no? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he entered the pitch. So he's he, like, yeah, he's got some low there on. on extending his left leg and his right leg interchangeably um, like he was injured. And then he just dropped his hands on the floor, on the turf, and rubbed it all over his face and head. 
Um, I don't know about you, but that would have given me instant acne. That, that would have given me acne for sure. Do you think yeah. it's voodoo shit? <laughs> or do you think, like, a, a lot of footballers and a lot of athletes write about this. One of them being, um, was it Nadal? Nadal, mm. right? The great Nadal tennis player. Mm-hmm. Um, and before he serves, or before he, yeah, before he serves, actually, he always does the exact, he touches his body in the exact, like, eight or nine ways. So it's like first he touches his nose, then he touches his left shoulder, and then right shoulder, and then he adjusts his T-shirt, and then he touches his neck, and then he fixes his shorts, then he touches his nose again, and he serves. Human beings are so funny. That is no way near the actual sequence of things that he does, just (laughs) as an example. But it's almost like a superstitious thing, like... Once I did this and I was really good, yeah, yeah, so yeah. I just kept doing that forever. I mean, we've all we've all done it, no? Um, wearing the same outfit after a crazy victory. Wearing the same outfit for my driving test, I remember, yeah. as when I had a good lesson, I was wearing those shoes. Exactly. They're special. Those lucky shoes. pen for your exam, no? People mm. are so funny. Like the shit doesn't matter. Lucky or does un- it? Lucky underwear for a night out. Come on, come on. Like I you mean, see so I many mean... professional athletes, and they're superstitious. And you might think to yourself, maybe that's why I'm not a professional athlete because I've never taken notice of the coincidences mm. in my life, and I need to be more superstitious. Exactly. Exactly. It has nothing to do with genetics and mindset. And everything to do with the clothes. That we I wear. was absolutely dreadful. <laughs> you weren't dreadful. I was. Such a passer, Jake. You're such a passer. Such a passer because I couldn't do anything on the board. <laughs> Get rid of it the second yeah, it touches me. It's like, wow, man, this guy's so selfless. It's because if I hold on to it, I'm going to lose it, bro. <laughs> so Fiorentina. Fiorentina are in sixth with 27 points. They're actually doing very well this year and they're in contention for that Champions League spot. Maybe they can get something more than the Conference League, man. Hellas Verona, on the other hand, still struggling, of course, despite their positive performance. They're down in 19th with 11 points. You're seeing me licking my lips, bro. What's next? Because we're about to cover a Monday night game, baby. Atalanta 4, Salernitana 1. Now, the first half unfolded with Salernitana taking an unexpected lead in the 10th minute as Pirola capitalized on a lapse in Atalanta's defense, heading in a free kick from Candreva. Now, you could call it a lapse in Atalanta's defense, but you could also call it a set-piece routine where you're being marked by Daron. And <laughs> fantastic player, but he is filling the role as a centre-back right now. And, yeah, maybe maybe tactical, zonal, slash man-marking isn't his strong suit. And, and Perala had absolutely no problem heading that in. Great header by him. The dynamics of the game shifted dramatically in the second half. Within two minutes, Luis Muriel leveled the score with a powerful first-time half-volley into the top corner from outside of the box following a corner. He struck it with the outside of his boot to showcase great technique and his second goal in two games. If you watch that again, you can see Benoit Costil, the goalkeeper, looks like Giroud at Salernitana, looking at the ball at the back of the net, looking down at his feet and then looking at the other side, kind of like saying... How am I so far away from that? It's my positioning <laughs> that poor, like, but Muriel smacked it so cleanly that he didn't even give him time to adjust himself. Oh my God, can we snippet that goal from POV Muriel? Yeah. Almost like with the goalpost in front of him. Slow motion. Where's your mama? That's my friend. That's, that's your La friend. Right there. That one. That's, sure, bro. Do it. Okay. 
the resurgence, let's call it a resurgence, continued as Pasalic, positioned now higher up the pitch in the second half, added another goal. And against me on fantasy football. And against you on fantasy football. Uh, tucked away a precise finish into the far corner. It was good work by Muriel over here. Once again, Karnesecki denied Ikwumezi with a great 1v1 stop in the 72nd minute and Dia hit the post just two minutes later in a great opportunity. De Keitelare extended Atalanta's lead to 3-1 with a well-placed shot into the far post after Giorgio Scalvini won the ball off Norbert Gyomber. When he does that thing, you know, he just presses so high up the fucking pitch and dispossesses someone and then just lays it off and wow. Amazing. Scalvini, man. Super player. Fucking Scalp. What what, what are we going to do about this guy? Scalvini. No idea. He's the future, man. And also, I have vintage CDK this game. If that's even a thing. If that, if I, I was wondering, what did he miss us at? Like, we to talk no, about No, no, like, like I'm talking about the CDK that caught everyone's eye back yes, in the day that was yes. making Champions League team of the weeks, man. This mm. was a very good performance by him. The finish was clean. And it was that better. second goal, man, which I'm sure you're about to describe. <laughs> um, he, that ball was genius. For the fourth goal, excellent ball by CDK to Alexei Maranchuk, who sealed the victory with a fourth goal. Um... The goalkeeper got a significant touch to it, but clearly not enough. Um, aha, great, Perfectly great pass. Weighted, great you pass. know, like the ball stopped exactly where it needed to stop. He saw a gap and yeah. he played it there. Yeah. There wasn't exactly a player in that position, but he saw the gap. He played it there and, and trusting that his teammate is going gonna, is gonna to make that run. Um, I mean, where to start? I think... Salernitana obviously starting the game off well they had good intensity in the first half and they were really bringing the game um, to Atalanta but look I mean Atalanta are Atalanta and Salernitana at the end of the day I think their ideas are there I think their philosophy is there and you are starting to see their um, identity under Pippo and Zaghi but when it comes to execution bro they are behind yes they're man, behind even, the play like even the, like I like the way Enzaghi set up this team and I like the approach but the in-game management man left a lot to be desired for mm. me. And, uh, I don't know why I can't understand for example why he would remove Chuna who's having a very good game mm. um I can't understand why he would remove Danilovic instead of Matsuki, for example. Matsuki's been... Um, I don't think he's been terrible, but he, he, he loses his head often. And he, mm-hmm. he often makes many mistakes, Matsuki, man. And you look every game, look at like balls lost. The balls lost stats is, is always mm-hmm. unbelievable. Possession lost this game, Matsuki, 23 times. Mm-hmm. Like, it's a lot, you know? Um, I don't know. Um, and to be honest, I don't know if there was anything he could have done, to be honest, to survive this Atalanta onslaught because Atalanta are a much deeper squad than... Yeah, um, and super unpredictable. Yeah. And Gasperini's head-to-head record against Nzaghi is, is flawless as well. So. Mm. so it doesn't help at all. <laughs> yeah. You know how I would characterize this game? Um, Atalanta went, in the second, went into the second half one goal down, so they hit offensive... Yeah. <laughs> it's like when you change the mentality to, to offensive you know Pasadic yeah. was higher up higher up the pitch I enjoyed that because we got to see him in positions where he had more liberty to shift wide and, and, and his movement wasn't as 
tactical and black on white the way that Gasparini would want it. But he was in that free role, you know, he was entering the pocket, straying wide. Um, and I just enjoyed seeing Pasalic play play football in this match. Um, I think if we have to talk about standout players, I think there are two that come to mind, and it's De Ketelare and Muriel Absolutely. in this game. Yeah. Um, not to mention Scalvini, because I'm sure that I've fucking exhausted everyone speaking about <laughs> Scalvini week in, week out, like... Yeah, absolutely, bro. I agree. I agree totally. I'm always impressed by Coop Miners as well. Very intelligent player. Mm-hmm. But yeah, but yeah, this is Muriel's time, and I'm happy he's had the resurgence because I was worried that we're never gonna see him have a good game again in Italy. Hey man. Hey. So so nice to see that he's kind of rediscovered his um, mini R9 self. Yeah, Atalanta are not in a bad spot. They're uh, seventh on 26 points they're just two points behind Bologna in fourth bro so um, they, they really are closing in over there especially with their most re- more recent form um, showing through uh, Salernitana on the other hand in 20th last for, for those that don't know on eight points they're three points behind Verona there was also Lecce Frosinone, which I was sure was going to end in a draw but it actually ended in a Lecce victory 2-1 for mm-hmm. The what do you call them? Giallo Rossi? What are they? Giallo. I'm sure they they, they must go by Giallo Giallo Rossi, Rossi. right? They must go by Rossi. Rossi. Yes, red and yellow. There we go. Yellow and red, rather. Um, Yes, the game was actually quite an even battle. Um, Lecce were missing Almgvist and Juan Gonzalez through an injury and a suspension, respectively. And they started off with Strefezza out on the right, Banda on the left, and Piccoli up front. And Ramadan, he was in the middle along with Udin and Blin. Uh, defense was the same as usual. For Frozzi, it was Kaio Giorgi up front who got his first Serie A goal um, despite being there as a striker for two years. <laughs> Matthias Sule was on the right and Arjon Ibrahimovic was on the left. They were also missing the likes of Markitsa, Mazzitelli, Kalaj and Reiner who are very important players for them. May the Lord... Bless you and all your sins, bro. <laughs> Thank you so much. It all started with a massive mistake by Turati playing the ball straight to Lamek Banda in the 11th minute, who found Roberto Piccoli, who scored at the near post of Turati, who <laughs> made essentially another mistake and should have probably stopped that. Um, and that was 1-0 in the 11th minute. Shortly after that, Oyono went off injured and was replaced by Monterizi for Frosinone. And Kyle Giorgio eventually converted the penalty in the 33rd minute to equalize. In the second half, it was a Ramadani goal in the 89th minute from a distance, um, thanks to another Turati mistake um, that saw Lecce getting the victory over here. Um, Turati, man. Not his best of performances. I think the first was a clear mistake, especially considering that he gave the ball away and then got beaten at his near post. Second one, he got beaten at his near post again. Sure, it was a good strike from distance and maybe the ball took a bit of a bubble and his fucking vision was slightly impeded. But that should never be going in. Now he's a young goalkeeper of 22 years old. Yeah. He has had some great performances. He even had a couple of good moments Mm. in this game. So I don't want to kind of just pin it all on him although he is responsible for the goals conceded in this match i don't want to single him out as as a bad goalkeeper or 
and no, anything over the soil. This comes with deploying a young goalkeeper. This is bound to happen. You know, Milan like experienced this last exactly. year. And Milan experienced this with Donnarumma, for example, an absolute freak of nature, who was mm-hmm. a brilliant goalkeeper at the age of 16 years old. He would still make the occasional mistake, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, Torati's 22, as you said, 22 is in the goalkeeping years. is like he's essentially a 15-year-old, 16-year-old. Yeah, literally, literally. So, so, yeah, these mistakes are bound to happen. It's just a shame because, of course, the margins are very fine and you never know from these teams which one's going to end up going down. Um, I do think that in January, they, Frosinone need a few experienced players to come in and to solidify the team a little bit. Um, they are quite good at getting ahead. However, when things aren't going their way, they, they often look around at each other and no one really steps up to, to lead them. Exactly, you know? exactly. Um, I was particularly impressed by two players of Frosinone in this game. First one is Brescianini, the former mm-hmm. Milan man, Agreed. absolutely brilliant in midfield over there, a powerhouse, often f- gliding his way out of tight spaces, mm-hmm. out of challenges. He was, he was amazing there. Mm-hmm. And Arjon Ibrahimovic, how is this guy 17 years old? Hey, man. Because he plays with such power and fearlessness and he mm-hmm. looks he looks wise beyond his years as well and his movement and his and the balls he plays um phenomenal player and, and it's nice to see that the future generations are also going to be watching an ibrahimovic because this guy is going to go all the way to the top man yeah i think so man it's 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 crazy i'm almost so surprised he's, he's 18 um, it was just his birthday. Really? Um, last the, I checked, the ele- he was 17. <laughs> yeah, on the 11th of December, it was his birthday. It oh. was his birthday eight days ago. Nah, he, can, he can drink now. He can, he can, he can have a drink now, <laughs> Arion Ibrahimovic. Yeah, man, he's he's so technically gifted. Um, he's so driven. You could tell that that obviously he he comes from somewhere and that, that is Scuola, uh, Bayern Munich. Oh, yeah. That, that, he, that he comes from. So yeah, um, a great fit for a team that is, like you said, highly reliant on these young players. And I think cometh January, they're going to need a leader in this yeah. pitch because Berinchea, Kaio George, Ibrahimovic, Sule, Okoli, you know, these are a bunch of young players. Who are all on loan. Who are all on loan. And, and they're making it work and they're playing fantastic football. But... I call the signing. They they also have Rainier, obviously, oh, yeah, um, from on the bench. Scuola, Real Madrid, um, but they have to make the the um, my, I had a term for this. It was the Rincon signings. Oh, they, they need to <laughs> the bring Sampdoria on Rincon exactly. Signings. Like they need to bring yeah. on some some players with some serious Serie A experience. They don't need to be the the most decorated players in the world. Um, stabilizers. Stabilizers. Exactly. Absolutely. Absolutely. It's also um, fair to mention that Banda hit the post twice. Um, at one one of them was a curler from out of the box. Mm. It would have been a, an amazing goal. Mm-hmm. Um, absolutely his day today. Well, not his day technically because he didn't score, but he was on form and he was inspired. Yeah. Absolutely inspired. Do you think yeah? Piccoli is doing enough to keep Kristovic out of the, out um, of the that's, team? That's another thing I wanted to talk about. Um, no. <laughs> I don't think, think he's been doing enough, Piccoli. He, he's scoring, okay, and that's probably enough in itself. But there were so many opportunities where I would have liked to see Kristovic in there instead of him because I think Kristovic attacks the ball with so much more might and lethality than Piccoli does. I feel like he squandered quite a few opportunities, Piccoli, this game, despite his goal. Mm. Mm. I mean, 
I like Piccoli and mm. I, I like the way Lecce play with Piccoli in the pitch. Yes. But lest we forget the performances that Kristovic was putting in and the goals and the, the goals that he was getting. And I how think, good Kristovic is outside the area as well. I think Azat, I think once again there's some healthy competition going on over there. And I'm not mad about Kristovic being benched um for Piccoli to get some playing time over no, there. The rotation is healthy. I mean no yeah. one will see Kristovic he's gonna have a point to prove and he had a point to prove at the start of the season and he scored about four goals. So mm-hmm. So yeah, that's always the case. Um, there's uh, let you have a player on the bench that I I had um, on on your fantasy. No, on um, FM Football Manager, Giacomo Faticanti, yeah. a ball-winning midfielder, baby, 19 years old. Um, I I obviously before I before I signed him, I I I looked him up. And he seems like a like a promising little talent, um, Faticanti, just 19 years old. Like I said, he he wins the ball back. You know, it, it'll be interesting to see him to see him come and go. I'm, I'm excited, obviously, slightly biased. Um, uh, I've never even heard of this guy. <laughs> Faticanti, I've never heard of Faticanti. I, I, I mean, it rings a bell, but I, I don't think I've ever seen him play. In fact, in his senior career, he hasn't featured. In no, 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 he hasn't. But yeah. he, he has Roma and Lecce on his CV. And for Sonona system. There you go. Okay. I'm excited to see him. This is more of a this isn't something for the viewers. This is more something I'm <laughs> telling you. Like, like oh, this is a guy I'm on FM. Nice. But he dude. He looks like a kid, this guy. Wow. I mean, he is pretty much, yeah. bro. Okay, we'll see. Yeah, in two years' time, we'll come back to this. Like, mm-hmm. what was that episode? How we're talking about <laughs> That's the problem, by the way. We often say things and like we mention a player and he'll have a really good game. And I'd want to revisit when we spoke about hey. it. You can never find it. How the hell are you meant to find it? Because we've got hundreds of them. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but yes, um, Lecce are currently in 12th, sitting comfortably uh, mid-table over there with 20 points, while Frosinone are right below them in 13th with 19 points. This was a massive game. Um, winner would have overtaken the other one. Yes, and kudos to Lecce for getting the victory over there. Now there's Udinese Sassuolo that ended 2-2, and I was not um, expecting a high-scoring game between these two teams because this game does typically tend to be quite a, a snooze-fest. Ah, it always ends in a draw, though. That's mm. a consistent thing. <laughs> yeah. Um, two teams woefully short on confidence, to say the least. Udinese had just two points from the last four games. Sassuolo lost 2 on the trot, including a 2-1 defeat to Cagliari, where they were 1-0 up in the 93rd minute. Odinez is still struggling with injuries, naturally. Bijol, Brenner, Davis, Delafeu, Ebosse and Semedo out, along with the suspended Ferreira. Atalanta had Cesoldi facing a ban after his red card in his last game, with Alvarez, Obiang and Viti out injured. Um, Berardi and Boloca returned from suspension. Now, Udinese initially appeared in control, taking a 1-0 lead uh, through a Lucca header. Pereira did brilliantly to torment Boloca down the left with some super silky sexy play before crossing it to Lucca, who headed home. Now, Lucca was tightly marked by Ferrari, but he like, really didn't have to like jump or like try to lose his man to score because Ferrari literally just had his arms around him and that's all. Yeah, he did nothing. That's all. You know the way a woman has her arms around a man's shoulders when she's kissing him? No idea. <laughs> <laughs> but that's essentially what he was doing. And then when the ball went to Luca, Luca literally just like, just like moved his head yeah. and, and got the goal. Like, 
you think that that Ferrari would make more of an effort to get to the ball over like there. Your opponent is the tallest striker in the league. Jump. Mm, he's there, Jump. just like he's he's frisking him, man. Yeah. He's like getting down and dirty with him. Now Ferrari's time in Serie A is up. You think? Yes, yes. He's, he's roasted. He's, he's been be- below below par for a while now, in my opinion. Fair enough. Fair Maybe enough. with newly promoted teams, it'd be fine. Kind of mm. like Kyrie has had dipped mm. after Sassuolo, but that's the, the trajectory he's on. He's not young. I mean, he's it's bound to happen to uh-huh. anyone. I mean, I I just can't wait for Sassuolo to to bring a defender on board. I'm just like, wow, I fucking like this guy. He's good. You know, yeah. they haven't had that ever. <laughs> um, the provider turned scorer in the 55th minute as Pereira extended Udinese's lead, finishing well after a scuffed Henrique clearance. Um, I'm going to ask the listeners because I asked you and you weren't sure either. Was Henrique always the number seven? Question hmm. mark. I really don't know. Now, the turning point occurred when Udinese's Pajero earned himself a red card after seemingly stomping Ehrlich, who slid in to tackle the Argentine. First, looking at this, I thought it was a bit harsh because his foot literally just um, stepped on high, quite high up, obviously, um, mm-hmm. Ehrlich's leg, but Ehrlich went sliding in and... That's just something that's going to happen in football, but it, it was uh, dangerous. His studs were high up, and, and, and yeah, that's what happens. Um, it wasn't as bad as Malinowski's. No, no. <laughs> Malinowski could have killed him, man. Like um, Sassuolo seized the opportunity, with Berardi converting a penalty following Ebosele's foul on Pinamonti in the 75th minute, where he attempted to clear the ball but made contact with just the man. Uh, Sassuolo's comeback gained momentum and they nearly equalised with a Mulattieri header hitting the crossbar in the 81st and Ferrari's header hitting the post in the 84th. Sassuolo were then awarded another penalty for Cabasele's foul on Mulattieri in the 88th minute where he tripped the Italian. Berardi stepped up once again and once again sent Silvestri the wrong way securing a 2-2 draw. What did you make of the... I, I mean, boxing match, no? And, and the, the classic tale of... Genuinely, like just just being in front, um, and then getting a red card, and suddenly being on the back foot, and and you allow the other team uh, to get back into it. Um, I thought when it comes to chances created, I thought that Sassuolo could have. I thought Udinese should have scored perhaps less, mm. and Sassuolo should have scored perhaps more. Okay, <laughs> I mean, you look, you, know? you look at the expected goals. Yeah. Um. XG naturally Udinese 0.81 Sassuolo 3.03 oh, okay, okay, <laughs> you know you're, yeah. you're not making a crazy yeah. statement but that's, at all. Uh, that's pro- penalties do bump up XG yeah. But, but yeah absolutely um, of course a very how even, about this though game. sorry yeah. sorry 21 total shots for Sassuolo 9 for Udinese same amount of shots on target 7 each yeah that's crazy but that obviously happens when you're 2 goals down you're gonna have it of and course, you're gonna shoot, you know? Yeah, um, I thought a draw was well deserved, to be honest. Um, it's a shame to see Udinese slipping up um, in this situation. I thought they were gonna get their second victory of the season. But it's also <laughs> nice to see, to be honest, Sassuolo not fucking sinking into the abyss, man, because mm. they, they do need um, a bit of a confidence boost. And it's always nice to see Domenico Berardi scoring as well. Mm-hmm. And uh, to be honest, I'm, I'm happy with this because Roberto Pereira and Lucas scored as well, who are both fun players to watch. So, yeah. an entertaining game overall. I think Pereira had very good impact in this game, naturally. Mm-hmm. Goal and assist. It's good to see him back in, in that form. Obviously, remember, Odinese let him go for nothing. 
last yeah. season. So it, it's good to see him having that confidence. Yeah, even seeing him celebrate with the fans and the way he did was, was well, very I, nice. I think it was um, with Deneza begging him to stay and him trying to leave and then realising no one wanted him, so he went back. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> well, also, I, I googled the number seven and it's... I smacked my head when I saw it and you'll probably smack yours as well. Um, the last number seven for, no. for Sassuolo was Brian O'Day. That's not why you're going to smack your head. The one before that was Jeremy Boga, of course. Ah, of course, yeah, of yeah. course, yes. And while I'm here, bro, man, the number nines for Sassuolo. Remember Flaccari? He looked like a Yes, yes. Caputo were the number Caputo, nine for them. Juric was a fucking Sassuolo Madonna. with the nine. Scamacca were the nine. Scamacca didn't wear the nine. Falcinelli um, wore it who scored against the Falcinelli, Ostia. Diego Falcinelli. Whoa. Yeah, but anyway, sorry. <laughs> memories, memories. Um, two very fucking clumsy sides defensively, yeah, bro. Yeah. The match was full of defensive clusterfuck after defensive clusterfuck. I mean, the red card, the two penalties being given away, one of them quite comical where he tried to clear the ball um, um, and he ended up taking out the man. The fucking Ferrari frisking Luca in the box instead of trying to get to the ball. It's comical, right? Yeah. Low, low, low quality to a certain extent. Yes. Um, did Thordsved have his teeth back? I didn't pay attention. <laughs> I didn't pay attention either. Ah, I wonder if, if a footballer at that level can just get his teeth back within a week. You know? I'm sure. Probably. I'm sure. He'd, he'd be looked after in Reggio Emilia. Yeah. I guess. Um, I did have another point to make. Ah, um, Dionisi, from a scale of very to not at all, <laughs> how safe do you think he is in oh, his job? Um, not at all. Not at all, eh? Not at all. Not like, at all. do you think he might be the next manager out? Oh, me too. I and I so, really bro. don't want to tap because I like him. But, oh, it's, but it's, the results speak for themselves. Exactly. And Sassuolo don't have a bad team. You know, they have a pretty good team. And it's we haven't seen Lauriente tick, for example, in a while. Now, granted, that can be on the player. But I feel like Berardi could be deployed better as well. Penamonti, okay, is finding himself a bit. But we've seen... We've also seen them play better. And, and systemically, man, they've got so many holes at the backs as well. And I don't uh-huh. know if it's a problem of individuals because it's always been the case. It's also the case that the club does everything to fuck the team up. They, Same they, as Verona in that uh, sense. But, but the difference is Sassuolo sells smart and they make money. And they reinvest it in, in, in young guess. talent and they buy appreciating assets. And it's a sustainable business model. Yeah. So it's not like Verona who sell all these players and, and no one knows where the money's going. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So I do think that Sassuolo need to have maybe a, a new manager, man. I think they do need a new manager because as it stands right now, they're in contention for relegation. Man. Yeah. And it's not looking good also, for them at all. Occhio, Choffi is Udinese's second manager of the season and he really hasn't managed to... To turn things to, around. To turn things around, considering the team that they're he has. They're just a draw machine, that team, man. Sassuolo 15th on 16 points, Udinese 17th on 13 points. Dare I say both teams deserve to be exactly where they are. <laughs> so that leaves us with Torino Empoli, bro. The score was 1-0 to Torino. Um, largely credited to Zapata's goal, yep. um, coupled with a lovely, solid defensive display by Torino. Um, as they shoot up into a Europa League contention zone. Despite Empoli's You, you efforts, can call it that. Yeah, despite Empoli's efforts and many a, a goal cancelled, 
um, the game ended 1-0. But there are a few things we have to cover, of course, a few key things. So first of all, let's start with the suspensions. Um, Guarino, Petzella, Berezinski and Caputo were all out for Empoli. While Nguesson and Schurz were out for Torino. I've never heard of Ange Nguesson in my life, but Pierre so, Schurz is a lovely player. Fan. And um, he's a big miss for them. Now... Tony Sanabria and Zapata have been playing together up front, and this seems to be um, Juric's solution for the striker drought situation. It gives them some edge. It's Torino. great. It's, I, I love this. I, I think that this is a fantastic solution by, by Juric, to like, be honest. To the play, imagine to the being a centre-back and you're up against Sanabria and Zapata. Yeah. At least it's, it's fucking semi-frightening, you know? Of course. It is frightening. Um Zapata's goal came in the 25th minute, bro, but there was uh, fuck that goal. Like, it was okay. Raul Bellanova charging up and down the pitch, working very hard for his team and um, has been has been doing so for a while. And obviously, his efforts have been appreciated because he's playing consistently. Mm-hmm. He whipped the ball into Zapata, who headed it in. But Sanabria's bicycle kick, man. I, I was watching that while I was waiting for you guys to finish getting ready because um, we had Key's birthday drinks. And when it happened, I, I, I was home alone and I screamed by myself at home, which is chill. It's fine. I'm good. Um, but my throat started hurting after. And at the moment, everyone's sick. I'm like, did that scream make me sick? Like, <laughs> And I lost my voice for two days. And I was like, surely it's because we were drunk. And, and like we had, we had the night out that we did. But I am confident that I lost my voice for two days because of the way I screamed. When that goal hit the back of the net, unfortunately, offside. It was sensational. I wish it counted. Um, He also scored, but he was offside by literally, literally, like, honestly, a fingernail after you've bitten it and chewed it and spat it on the floor. Like, that's the offside. Like, so, so marginal. Marginal. Another one. So marginal. So marginal. Um, It's a shame. Poor ASAP Rocky. He deserved his goal there. Okay. Conchilieri <laughs> came on in the 61st minute and he was one on one with Vanya Milinkovic Savic and he learned um, the very tough lesson that is don't get too close to Vanya Milinkovic Savic when you're one on one because he is massive. His legs are long, his arms are long, and he will jump at your feet and he will fucking fuck you up. Like, I mean, yeah. he, he did um, jump at his feet and it was a fantastic save. Mm-hmm. Um, that essentially won them the game. Vanya know? is the kind of guy to like go walk in the woods and like just like howl to let off steam you know what i mean he'd go like on a 100 kilometer hike into the woods and just like like that (laughs) bro who would have thought that in 2023 vanya would be in syria still playing consistently and sergey would be in saudi arabia yeah yeah and who would have thought in 2023 that Sergey would have made the smarter move because he's making so much more money. Who would have thought in 2023 Wanda Nara just got Mauro Icardi a move to Real Madrid in January? Oof. Oh my God. It just came up on my Instagram. That would be mental. Would be. It's done. It's done. What do you mean? Done deal. Done deal. Done deal. Bro, it's right. Who report? Was it Romano? Here we go. I don't believe it was. Oh, where did it go? In the meantime, I can break a new piece of news um, as well that just came up while we're recording this because apparently everything happens while we're recording. (laughs) And it it also happens for a reason. And don't you forget it. (laughs) Walter Sabatini (laughs) is the new um, general director of Salernitana. And that's massive. That's massive. Hopefully, I mean, 
January is coming, so let's see what Sabatini can cook, huh? Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, he is the guy that can spot talent and that can yeah. make deals happen. Of course, Walter. Brilliant. Okay, Icardi's is pretty much confirmed by any platform that isn't official. <laughs> <laughs> but Bro, what? Sorry, what? What? I just opened my phone. Napoli nil Frosinone four Coppa Italia. Taking the fucking what? Mick. Really? I swear, I just checked that it's real. Like, I'm not being pranked. So, in the 37th minute, we're covering this as well. Simeone, <laughs> Simeone scored, but it was disallowed for a handball. Then Berenchea scored in the 65th. Kazo in the 70th. Kedira in the 91st. And Harui in the 95th. Napoli out of the Coppa Italia. Oh, who did Napoli fr- field? Full, full team or... Bro, man, Gollini, Zanoli, Ostegard, Nathan, Rui, Cayuste, Demme, Gaetano, Lindstrom, Simeone, Raspadori. So, no. Not full team. No, not at all. Not, not at, at all. all. But, but, all right, but Ostegard, Nathan, Rui, Gollini, Zanoli. That's not a defensive backline. A goalkeeper that concedes four goals to Frosinone to Kazo Kedira. But I went that is team, the lineup of someone that doesn't give a fucking shit about Coppa Italia. That's a mistake, like... That's a mistake. Uh, that's that lineup up. is whack. That's fucked up. 4 nil. What the hell? I can't wait to see what the hell happened here. Shall you, um, you want to conclude ah, this game? Yes, just because so... we've got one minute left. Oh, yes. Um, when it comes to the standings, Torino are in ninth with 23 points. Missionary. Well, <laughs> Empoli are in 18th with 12 points. One point away from Udinese outside the relegation pool. The next time we record would be after Christmas. So happy Christmas, are you crazy coos? So let us take this opportunity to tell you crazy, crazy coos. Merry Christmas to all of you, happy Hanukkah, whatever it is that you love. We we love it even more. That's all I'm going to say. Absolutely. Especially if you follow us, you rate us five stars, you like our content and you DM us your questions and show us your love. We love you all. Happy holidays, stay safe, don't drink and drive, we'll be back before you know it.